here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Exile, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Cranch alongside, as always, the King of Banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? You don't use any of my preset designated uh, titles. No, the King so. of Banter. No, what was it? There's a new one this week that you wanted me to add, and I'm not adding. I'm just it's replaced at this point. We can't add anymore. Mostly because I keep dropping them. So I'm an internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, <laughs> as heard on BBC Radio. You only use that on your own when, like, when you do guest spots or whatever. You tell the people you are internationally acclaimed, but it, it's good to know. And Alan does it for you as well, Alan Cunningham. But well, I mean, so. it, there's nothing untrue about that statement. I am, in fact, an internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist as heard on BBC radio. Can you dispute any of those facts? Uh, I can do. Dis- okay. So you, you were, you've been heard on BBC radio. Correct. Um, it was an international cause goes out saying, cause it's BBC. international, That's uh, right. the, the acclaim renowned word that you throw in there sometimes. Eh, I am eh, acclaimed. Eh. <laughs> Ask the listeners if I am acclaimed. I am very much acclaimed. Well, uh, as we know, the listeners don't really know the definition of words. So that might be, uh, might an, be an issue. So. Point. <laughs> the latest word they don't know the definition of is overrated. That you caused a lot of issues there with the uh, the. I, I'm always causing issues because listen, it's not my fault. I'm smarter than at least seventy percent of the audience. They don't know the definition of these words. It's not my fault that people don't know what overrated means. You know, so put your phone on silent. It's a professional broadcast. Let's yeah, go. I know. <laughs> I may be an internationally clean broadcast <laughs> journalist, but I'm not a professional broadcast journalist. As my phone is going insane here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's look. People don't know what overrated means. You know, so what do you want me to do? Um, so, but what's the new one? There was a new one that now you, somebody said that you did X and X from last week's discussion that we had at the top of the show. And then there was a new thing that you wanted me to say every single time. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I do. I, I, in fact do, uh, (laughs) not that I wrote it, not that I wrote it down or anything. (laughs) The, the tremendous Twitter user, Glonzo Dan, who is a tremendous Twitter user and a, uh, Tremendous guy oh, by all accounts. He's the one that coined this? Oh, boy. Well, then yeah, we kind of have to use I mean, he, he's he's renowned. That man is renowned. Oh, he's renowned, but I'm not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. I he's also nice. You. People like him. So He's a, he's a great guy and a listener. <laughs> and he's listening right now. Um, he had noted that uh, every time that Joe Lanza causes a furor on the internet and people go insane about what I've said um, – Either either on Twitter or on this podcast, he listens to the show, and as always, he was referring to last week when we explained the uh, the uh, the romance controversy. Rich, 
Uh, he explained that, as always, once he listens to the show, that Joe Lanza, as always, is well-reasoned and uh, is reasoned and well-explained. And, uh, and, and that <laughs> so things are constantly overblown. Well so Joe I Lanza. am the very reasoned okay. and well-explained Joe Lanza. That right, is I'm writing, I am typing that right now on my fake keyboard. I have a keyboard in front of me, but you know. So I am now the right. undisputed king of banter. Because I cannot be out-bantered. We all know that. <laughs> So I'm going to add Undisputed to there, too? Listen, these these dopes who all hate me, you know, they try to out-banter me, but they can't. Uh, we have the internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, as heard on BBC Radio. All indisputable facts, by the way. Uh, the most compelling voice in wrestling journalism. I mean, that, that again, I, I did not coin that myself. Someone told me that. They said, Joe, you are the most compelling voice in Larry wrestling Del- Larry Dels is still on uh, Sirius, though, right? Uh, he is. My good friend Larry Dallas. Okay, well, I don't know. Undisputed. Uh... You think Larry Dallas is the most compelling oh, yeah. voice in, in oh, wrestling media? Yeah. yeah. Former uh, voice wrestling guest, if I remember correctly. I was I was on vacation, but actually, I you Rich, booked him. So. He, uh, he didn't show up. I don't know if you Oh, heard. really? No. See, I was on vacation. I didn't. Uh... Larry not only didn't show up, uh, but we still haven't heard from him since. So, presumed uh, dead. No Larry Dallas presumed dead, yeah. You know, he got he got killed in that he did that angle where he got killed and he never sh- uh, on evolve and he never showed up for the booking, um, which was advertised uh, to all of our listeners and and uh, he even pushed it on his radio show and he pushed it on uh, the busted open radio account and then Larry just blew me off and I never heard from him again. Uh, no apology, no nothing. Um, and and so let's see, we've got the king of banter, mm-hmm. internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, as heard on BBC Radio. The most compelling voice in wrestling media. And now, and you're going to do all four of these next week, I know. And oh, now, sure. no, I, I, you, I said I was typing. Remember, I was doing this. That was me typing. The reasoned and well explained <laughs> Joe Lanza. I, I got to tell you, Rich. No, I, I'm not going to. The reasoned, I, I don't know. That's well explained, maybe reasoned. I, I don't know. That, that might be tricky. Listen, here's the thing last week's podcast with the uh, Shibata slash romance explanation, got rave reviews. And I, I think that I was very reasoned and well-explained, and you were as well, I think, in uh, defending my points, because you understood. Um, but So I think uh, Dan is not out of line by calling me reasoned and well-explained. I, I am always very uh, reasoned and well-explained, and, I, and I am, I'm happy to add that to my list of monikers, all of which are very true and, and quite frankly, can't be disputed. How about that? I like it. No, next week I said there. There's me. Yep, got it. Okay, got it. All four. Um, wait, got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, we got plenty to talk about this week too. So we'll definitely get into. Uh, what, uh, well, if you could throw in a secretly, I you could say, look, I am secretly sassy, rich, crazy. No, you know, I don't. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to coin my own. If people want to call me that, they can call me that. I don't want to do call I, you that. I, and as they should, because it is it is and undeniably the captain. True. You're the captain, crate, You know, that's You're true. For that boat. <laughs> you got monikers too. Oh. Man, I was I was in I was at um, this weekend. I went to like the beaches in Chicago. This one beach, and and they're like because it was a beautiful weekend, and there was people out everywhere. And as I'm driving, I'm just there's just boats everywhere, and I'm just like, God damn it! <laughs> it's like I'm so pissed. Like, how do I not have one friend, one that has a boat? And then like I get to my destination, I'm hanging out with my buddy and his his, his wife and their family or whatever, and they're like, Oh, we have a boat, but it's like a dinghy. You know, it's like a step up of above a dinghy. It's like maybe a rowboat, and that doesn't. I don't want that. Like, don't put me in a rowboat. Now you're being picky about the boat? I, no, I am. I am being picky about the boat. You know why rowboats stink? I have a theory on this. Because I have to do work. I don't want to do anything. 
Exactly. What? I don't want to have whole to boat requires work, energy to you know? do this. I want to just sit, drink, and roast in the sun. That is what my plan for the night. It's like those day, dopey yeah? boats with the foot pedals that are supposed to be romantic or something. Oh, like shit, a little of the swans, like the. <laughs> you ever taken a That's Jersey land on the swans or no? Do you have swans in, in Jersey? Like, like they don't let you go in the water there in New Jersey. Probably not. Yeah, probably can't touch the water. Now, why you got to be burying in Jersey now? You know that's unnecessary. That's an unnecessary shot. You know, I've never I, been I to the Garden State. I can't. Uh, I, I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't bury it. It's just State. you know everybody picks on New Jersey. You know, listen. If you visited the beautiful Garden State, I'll let you pick on it. But you got no basis for that, my friend. You know, it'd be like me saying, you know, I don't pick on Chicago. <laughs> you tell me I dodge gunshots all the time. That's true. Which isn't I mean, untrue. It's not untrue, but you know. Didn't Chicago just break a record for the number of gun gunfire deaths this summer or something like that? Didn't um, I read something like that? Yeah, maybe. It's kind of a – there's there's some things that go on. Gangs are it's, still going at it, huh? A little bit. But yeah, like it's they always say the murders are way, They say the murders are worse now, but they were definitely worse in the 80s if you look at all numbers. But, you know, it, that that's not sensationalist enough. So fake you news? You know, sad. It's, it's fake news, sad, huh? Yeah. Is it just the gangs killing each other? Because if uh, that's much. the case, yeah, exactly. Like, that's well, because people are like, "Oh my god, Chicago, deadly city!" Like there are maybe like seven blocks in the entire city where like all the the, the activity happens. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not like every block you walk on is like, "Holy crap! Oh my god, look out! Oh geez!" Like there's like a few small neighborhoods where all the crime happens, or pretty much like a majority of the crime happens, and a majority of the gun deaths and the majority of the gang deaths happen, or whatever. It's not like the the whole city has been overrun by gangs. It's not like you know New York in the '70s was at a point where it was like, okay. And you can't go anywhere in the city without there being like gain activity. Now, Chicago is not that you can go to many different places and you'll see nothing. But then a lot of it is concentrated in like a few different spots. So but it's just easier to say Chicago and just make people think that, you know, <laughs> Barry Windham and, and Animal and Hawk are walking around just beating people up. all the time. And it's not the case at all. So so it's not like San Andreas 40 hours into the Grand Theft Auto world. Oh, no, we're just complete disarray. Yeah. Every 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 block is owned by a different gang, and you got to run up. Yeah, no, that's 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 a nice little throwback there. Did you you that's, were a San Andreas guy? Sure, played all the Grand Theft Autos. Okay, yeah, you, you haven't caught up with them recently though, right? You're you're done after. Did you play played, four or five? five? Oh, you did. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, good. I played four stunk, but I attempted to play four. Sucked. Yeah, I, four, four was so garbage. bad. I mean, yeah. just four is just so dry. You know, like yes, the, yeah, there was no fun to it. It lost all the fun factor that GTA used to be, and and they got yes. that bag with fun, which was nice. There's they, nothing fun about an Eastern European lead character. You know, like he was boring. You know, I, I the guy had no juice. What was his name? Nico or Nico? Something? Nico. The guy had no juice. You know, I didn't want to play as that dude, and it, it just felt like the entire game and the entire city on that game was just gray and dry. yeah it was gray that's it yeah. actually was like it always felt like the city was just dark and cloudy it was always the time, fucking yeah. gray you know and then grand theft auto 5 comes out now it's just a tremendous game i mean it got the juice back into the series there's no question yeah i played them all my man i love well, them. No, well we're talking about video games let's let's do a little aside here fire pro have you uh have you dove in i know you're uh you're not i'm a big time fire pro returns guy you know that oh I absolutely was, uh very big on creating edits uh, and diving deep into the logic and all of those sorts of things. I got to tell you with the new fire pro, I, uh, I am being patient, rich. I'm waiting. I'm going to get a console version at some point. Um, but I want everyone else to do the work for me. I'm too busy of a man now to do all the work myself. Uh, like I was 10 years ago. Uh, so I'm going to wait it out and uh, be patient until everything is worked out and uh, all of the uh, proper edits are created and probably uh, pick it up later on. And uh, I think I can resist him. Not like I have the time these days anyway. I barely have time to do this show. And as you know, Fire Pro can take up a ton of your time if you die. Oh, for sure. Game. 
So yeah, what's good about this uh, this version or whatever? And, and you're gonna wait for the PS4, right? You're not doing the the PC or the Correct. you're not throwing up on your laptop. Or okay, so that, that that could be an issue because because you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer. For people yeah. that have it for for Steam or PC or whatever, uh, right now, I, I downloaded it yesterday and started playing it a little bit. I mean, fundamentally, the game is is exactly what you remember from Firepower Returns. It's a little smoother, I would say. Uh, the 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 graphics are a little tightened up, but not much. Like that's the good thing about it is no matter what, like I have a shitty laptop. It, it's not for gaming whatsoever, but fire pro ran fine on it because it's fire pro. It's, you know, it's 2d sprites, uh, you know, not much going on. There's not a bunch of explosions. You know, I mean, it, it's very basic game, very yeah. simple game or whatever. So it's cool. Like, I feel like most anybody with, if you have a laptop or a, a PC from the last five to 10 years or whatever, you're going to be fine. You're gonna be perfectly okay playing it. Um, but that's also the charm of it, too, is that it's not the updated. It's it's kind of the same. So I like it. It, it felt like a modern Fire Pro Returns in almost every single sense. And a, a cool thing about it, too, is with it being on Steam, and this is why I was going to tell you why you might want to consider possibly just doing it on your, on your computer if you can at some point, is with Steam, you have this – it's called the Steam Workshop or whatever, and that's people that are already doing edits and putting those up there and having them ready. I mean, like, as we're recording this, I think there's a 1,000 edits up there already. Uh, like Dragon Gate Jai has already gone and put every Dragon Gate guy on there or whatever. There's a ton of New Japan guys on there already. Like people are are already putting a bunch of stuff on there. So the work's pretty much already being done for you right now as as we speak. Whereas the PS4, I don't know what the sharing is going to be like on there, if it's going to be quite as easy as, as it is here. Because here you click one button and boom, it's installed and you're ready to go for the most part. So that, that's kind of the benefit of it being on Steam is a lot more customizable. So I don't know if it's going to be the same on PS4. I assume it will. But one thing I liked about this one, too, because that was kind of daunting with, with the PS2, and you know that with Fire Pro Returns, is is they had the full roster, and they were just like the slight renames of guys. Sure. And, and, you know, hilariously, like, it was kind of funny to see the slight renames or whatever. Fire Pro, and that's what I was kind of worried they were going to do with this, too. So people would have to go in and, and find the guy that they're looking for and edit him and, and do all that sort of stuff. What they've done with this is they've basically just given you, like, 20 wrestlers. They have, like, the SWA or whatever, and it's these 20 random dudes. And these 20 guys have no relation to any other real wrestlers they're just they're just random guys or whatever and that's all they give you it's not like the roster's full it's not like a 500 person roster or whatever so they give you all those opening slots like you have all these slots unlimited roster slots to use or whatever they don't try to hide the fact that they know everyone's going to go on there and just download real guys right right so they don't even bother they're like hey here's 20 random fucking characters for the people that don't know or if you just want to fuck around and play with these characters in the meantime you can or whatever and you need you know the edit bases or whatever so here you go here's these guys but then everything else is up to you we're not going to put 500 guys in there and make you delete those so for like the ocd person it's not going to take that long for you to just say okay i i I have everybody as they are whereas you know with with fire pro returns it was like oh shit like this unit's not ready. I don't have Osaka Pro all the way filled out, but they they put the Osaka Pro guys in there, so I better go in there and edit them or whatever. Like you don't have to worry about that. If you just yeah. want New Japan, you're good. If you just want Dragon Gate, you're good. See, I'm I gotta a- I gotta tell you, I I I enjoyed that on Fire Pro. I enjoyed having the real wrestlers in there and then editing them to my liking, changing the names, changing their looks ever so slightly. I enjoyed having the base because to me, it saved the effort of creating those 500 guys. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. But, but, but on the flip side, you know, for people who got super deep into fire pro returns, they completely ignored those, uh, the guys that came with the game and recreated, like there was a Hiroshi Tanahashi in the game, for example, but people ended up creating him from scratch anyway, and ignoring the 500 people that came with the game. So it's like, you're saying this year, they just cut out the pretense and just said, look, we know you're going to, create all these people yourself anyway so fuck it why are we going to put the effort in uh to doing it ourselves when the community is going to take care of it for us which 
probably allowed them to get the game out a lot sooner and a lot more efficiently, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Because they didn't have to worry about loading up move sets for everybody. No. No, they just put out 20 generic characters just to get the game on the shelf, so to speak, or on the digital shelf in this case, because they know everyone's going to create everyone from scratch regardless. So, And I'll Which tell smart, you, Jai, yeah. Dragon Gate Jai, he used to create edits uh, for Fire Pro Returns. He was the Dragon Gate master, of course, when it came to that. And he did a tremendous job, and he would keep their attires updated and everything. So I'm sure he's doing a tremendous job once again. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to dive into the, the Dragon Gate guys, but apparently he's got like 30 dudes up there already. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm pretty excited to jump in. He's banging this. them out. And I'll tell you, doing edits on Fire Pro is a legitimate fucking skill. It is not easy. Oh, for people that think it's like a simple thing or whatever, I mean, you have 7,000 heads to choose from. Like, like you would and, and be there not only that, all just day. the yeah. layering and the color scheme. There's just yeah. so much you can do. I mean, it's a simple game on the surface, but a very complicated game when you dig deep. My big thing was the AI and the logic. I love digging deep on guys. And, and, and because you can, you know, if you really get super deep into it, you can, you know, program these guys to chain moves together and what percentage of the time they do so. It gets super deep. Uh, I remember I had a uh, a Randy Orton edit, which uh, you know I you know I programmed it to just do chin locks like eighty percent of the time, you know, just as a gap, you know. So you can do things like that on that game, you know, where you know eighty percent of the time, if the guy, if your opponent is down, uh, you know, the edit will go for a chin lock, you know. Say so it's like you can do different things like that and chain moves together. So it's 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 the, the beauty of the game is it can be super deep like that if you want it to be. Or it can be super simple where you can just create, uh, you know, the, 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 the aesthetics of these guys and just not worry about the, uh, the logic and the AI and so on. But see, I'm big into that stuff, and I like the edits performing uh, the way that they do in real life, so to speak, sure. which is why I'm going to be a little more patient. And let the super fire pro nerds, which I used to be one. Admit yeah, because right now you got people that are just slapping, you know, correct black pants on Kenny Omega and putting, you know, blonde hair on him and going, okay, there you go. You're getting, and you they look great to be honest. I've seen some of them and they yeah, look yeah. great. But, but I want them to wrestle like Kenny right. Omega. Yeah, you and, want them throwing beat triggers every, you know, every time he's down. At or, the yeah, appropriate yeah. times. Right, and, right, you know, right. I mean, and, and having the appropriate, uh, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. So that's why I'm willing to be more patient in this case. Because this time around, I definitely don't have the time I used to to handle all that stuff myself. But um, very excited about it. As time passes, I mean, people are just going to do amazing things with this. People haven't even gotten into the logos on the mats and and things like that yet that I've seen. Um, it's just the, the the amazing work and the meticulous work that it takes, pixel by pixel to create the logos and things like that. I assume you can do that on this version as well. Uh, I believe, yeah, they haven't. I I think that's not in the initial launch of it, but they said it's coming very soon. So the initial launch is is wrestler edits, if I remember correctly. And and don't quote me, I I could be wrong about this. But And then little by little, they're going to start kind of adding some of the other things as well, including the rings and the the entranceways and all that sort of stuff. And they've added some new animations and moves for the wrestlers. I've seen leapfrogs and things like that. Yeah, so they said they added like 100, 150 moves, I think, somewhere around that range, which, which doesn't seem like quite a lot. So I almost worry a little bit there but i know that the, the one of 10 years ago or whatever had so many different moves that yeah. a lot of the stuff that people use probably was deep deep in within that game or whatever and it just takes a little bit of you know tweaking and whatnot and then adding the 100 new moves or whatever i mean that, that's a lot of moves too to be fair but you no know, you got like a fighting spirit i got in one of those i was i was um really yes i was wrestling the other day and i got into like this match was like 15 minutes long or whatever so me and this guy are just battling i, I forgot what the hell was going on so he uh he hits his finisher on me i then get up i kick out a two i hit my finisher on him and then it just puts us in animation where we just start slapping one another oh uh, shit! Yeah, and then he goes for a clothesline i duck it 
I clotheslined him, and then I like pass out. We both pass out at the same time. And you both got, oh my yeah, god! And I was just like, holy shit! Like, my den. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, this was incredible. I was just like, holy shit! Like, because it was a long ass match too, and I'm like, oh, this is getting long in the tooth. We got to get this match going. And like, yeah, 15, 20 minutes in or whatever, they both pass out, and that that's the beauty of it too is that you can have a, a fire pole match that lasts eight seconds. You know, you can hit your finisher in the in a second and pin sure. the dude. You can have ones that go eighteen, and and that's what you said a little bit about what's cool is like if you want it to be deep as hell and you want everybody to work the way they work and do all that, you can do that. And and you can also just fuck around if you want like Onita and Hulk Hogan to be in a death match. You can, right. and there's no, you know, like there's nothing stopping you from just blowing shit up too. Right. So it, that's the beauty of the game. It's just the only problem is understanding the grapple system in that, and that takes a lot of people a long time. It took me forever if to get it. Once you get time, it, like you, if you're a long time player of the WWE games, it's completely different. Oh, you have to completely to change your brain. Yeah, yeah. I, like it's that's, not I a button match first, at all. It's a timing no, I based. Lost, I lost nonstop. I lost probably my first thirty fire pro matches, and now now sure. I'm good. And and now now I lose sometimes, but it's good. Like I lose because I'm, I'm I was stupid, or I I deserve to lose or whatever. But yeah, like I just lost everything because well, I was it's a progression. Like, it's it's like yeah. a real wrestling match. You have to start with your weak maneuvers first, and then move on to your medium strength, and then right. move on to your, if you try your big stuff right off the beginning, your opponent's going to counter or block, and you're going to get gassed. The wrestlers get gassed in fire. That's pro, yeah. That's right? what I never was able to get is the get. And now I right. got it. Like now a guy goes on the outside, and instead of like running and doing like a tope, I'm like, no, I'm going to sit in this corner. I'm going to breathe. Like, you're going to breathe. You got to press the button to breathe. <laughs> right. You take you know? your time, buddy. I'm going to be and, out here breathing in the corner. So what's awesome about this version? Something I read that got me pumped up. And Fire Pro returns. Uh, you know, advanced players, super nerds, would play games where they would work matches. You know, because there was actually a button where you could sell where you can hold down a button and your guy would lay on the mat a little longer. So experienced players would actually work matches where they weren't trying to beat each other. They were just having trying to have the best match possible. I saw in this version where you can play online where you're either playing, uh, I think it's called Concrete, where you're trying to defeat each other. And it's, you know, just like a fighting game. But there's right. another mode where you can work matches. <laughs> yeah. And the goal is not to win. The goal is to get the highest rated match possible. So you have to work with your opponent and have a give and take match and actually work a match, which is, which is not, is this real life? Like, how is that real life? It's unbelievable to think about, you know, so that's, you know, yeah. So I, I'm, you know, I look, we're probably going to do a show in about a year where I finally get the game and uh, <laughs> I dive in deep and I'm going to be all fired up because, uh, probably 10 memory cards full of fire pro edits with just, you know, all kind. if I busted them out now, you'd, you'd have the most accurate representation of the 2007 ring of honor roster that you could ever ask for. But uh, again, you know, it was a decade ago. So, uh, so there you go. I can never find good heads for the Briscoe brothers. It was just, I know those always drove me nuts. I had their attire down. I had their move sets down. I had their logic down. But I can never use the damn Briscoe Brothers because I was never happy with their heads. And that always bothered me. But, did, you have an, uh, did you have an accurate Tank Toland in uh, 2007? An accurate who? Uh, Tank Toland. Remember him? The big old. Oh, Tank Toland. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tank Toland. Yeah, sure. Sweet Sour Ink, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Big, that was the guy mad at like. The, one of the first Ring of Honor shows I, I go to, I'm sitting in the front row or whatever, or, you know, or no, I, I'd gone for a few years at this point because he came up in 2006, 2007 or whatever. And man, the back knee on that guy was just the most disgusting. Like, because we're, we're sitting front row or whatever, and he's like leaning against the ring uh, or like the barricades or whatever. And we're looking at his back and we're just like, oh my God. Like, it's just, it's just the most sickening back I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's like, it's like bleeding and stuff. Like, what the hell is, because he had like just taken a bump and then like rolled out of the ring and went to the barricade. And his back's like bleeding. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, <laughs> he Jesus was one Christ, of the, uh, Tank Dolan. Like, good God. Yeah, he, 
he was but i tell you um sweet and sour ink in that era where bobby dempsey was like the whipping boy remember and it was, was uh, great Tank yeah Toland and chris hero and uh larry sweeney of course uh sarah del rey and then remember uh they came up with that great angle where, you know, the whole world knew that Matt Seidel had signed with WWE and he was just finishing up. So they turned him heel at the end. Do you remember that? Yeah, and, I do. Yeah. Uh, they turned him heel and, and they, you know, they, they, they did the gimmick where Larry Sweeney was supposedly signing guys up as the super agent, you know, signing guys to WWE contracts to put extra heat on them. And uh, Matt Seidel finished up as part of Sweet and Sour Inc. Yeah, that was just tremendous vignettes all the time with Bobby Dempsey and Tank Toland, who was uh, sort of the personal trainer of the group an occasional job guy when they would have tag matches or whatnot. He didn't wrestle a ton, right? He was more of a... No, he didn't do much. Yeah, and if he did, he, he yeah. lost as well, so... Right, he'd be the designated pin eater if they did tags, but he was more of a, a second, you know, a valet, so to speak. But uh, yeah, Tank Toland, yeah. Daniel Pewter, remember? Uh, part oh, of Sweet oh, Sour I Inc. Forgot, yeah, I forgot he did that. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he didn't wrestle many matches, if any, but he would do, like, uh, you know, in-ring segments and whatnot. So, you know, they had Daniel Pewter in the mix. Yeah, that was... Uh, Larry Sweeney, man. What can you say about that guy? I mean, those are great. Yeah, just, if you go up on YouTube and just anything you can find with Larry Sweeney, if you've never seen him in his promo work and his character work or whatever, just, just second to none, really. I mean, just, just one of the best to ever do it. Just came at the wrong time. I mean, if he would have come, I know everybody likes to say that if he would have come 10, 15 years earlier, you know what I mean? When managers were a big deal. But if he would have come 10 or 10 years later, too, like if he were around today, there'd be a role for that guy, I feel like, you know, it's yeah, there, just, was, there was a weird like 10 period, 10 year period where, where WWE just didn't use male managers or didn't use managers in yeah. general. And they've, they've gotten kind of away from that. Like there, there's, you know, they're not maybe as prevalent as they were a few years ago when you had, you know, forget just WWE. Those, yeah, I mean, you just look at your Stokely Hathaway. Oh, exactly. I mean, the, the Indies are, are ripe for that now uh, of a guy that especially the super agent type character. I mean, he could play the exact, it doesn't have to change a single thing about what he did and could do it in, in this era. Almost really any year. And I think that's the thing that was awesome about him is that you could plop Larry Sweeney and the Sweet and Sour Inc. idea and it could fit in the 70s. It could fit in the 80s. It could fit in the 90s. It could fit in the 2000s. It could fit today. Like it just was a perfect character and perfect like everything they did was just it, it, it wasn't dated at all. It just would have worked no matter what. You know, and it was always a size thing with Larry Sweeney. And the other thing was, um, you know, especially Ring of Honor in that era, the big concern was that he couldn't go in the ring at the level of of some of the guys then. I always thought he was underrated as a wrestler. I didn't think he was, you know, people would always knock his wrestling. And I I, I don't know. I always enjoyed his stuff. I mean, it, you know, he, he wasn't going to go out there and have five-star classics, but I didn't, you know, I thought he worked to his character. And I liked his stuff in Chikara. I liked, um, you know, a lot of his stuff. You know, even, you know, it, it's, I feel like he would just fit better today uh, than he did in the time and place. And he's just a guy that really came at the wrong time. It, it's really a shame. Um, look, I, I don't know if it would have mattered in the grand scheme. Um, you know, obviously with his mental illness and whatnot, but uh, I'm not saying that he'd be alive today if his career went better. Cause who knows? I mean, no one can say, but uh, it's just, as far as his just strictly his career goes, I mean, obviously he would have been a tremendous manager in the eighties. He would have fit like a glove uh, would have been known as an all timer in my, I think he is an all timer. I mean, no, I, he is, I, he is. Yeah. he's an all time great man. Anybody who watched anybody who, who watched knows that he's an all timer. I mean, if, if you were alive during that time or around during that time or watching it during that time or, or active on the Indies or you, he's an all timer. I mean, and, I mean, that, and that's just ring of honor. And that's not even including the other stuff that he was able to do all around many different across the country. You know, it, it's like, it, you know, he didn't draw money like, you know, Cornette or Heenan or some of these other managers, but in terms of just performance, and, uh, and, and, and he just, you know, a dev for me without question, uh, an all timer, a top 10 manager for me of all time in terms of guys that I saw, you know, in my lifetime, uh, in that role. So, um, 
Wasn't expecting to talk about Larry Sweeney today. No, there you go. Yeah, I'll talk about Larry Tank Sweeney Tolan. any fucking time. I love that <laughs> guy. I mean, well, San Andreas, Tank Tolan, Fire Pro, and Larry Sweeney to start off our show here. So, uh, no, we got plenty to talk about. So let's uh, let's start jumping into some of those. I do want to let people know though that uh, this week you will not hear any ads, no sponsors, because this is an ad-free show. We uh, had a lot of ads last week, so we decided to kind of lay low this week. But uh, if you do want to show your, show your support for the show and and uh, what we do uh, at VoiceWrestling.com, make sure you subscribe or, or uh, subscribe. Uh, on your podcast apps, uh, look for the Voice of Wrestling, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, our affiliate link for Amazon, voiceofwrestling.com slash Amazon. Any purchases you do on Amazon, use that link. We get a little percentage back, helps us keep this thing alive and chugging. Uh, and then also make sure you're joining our forums, voiceofwrestling.com slash forums. A lot of great discussion going on there right now. Uh, something we're going to talk about here in a little bit when we talk about uh, the Battle of Los Angeles. Something that if you're subscribing to the forums, you might have a little bit of an idea of some of these things that we're going to talk about during Bowl. And maybe this Bowl lineup won't be as quote disappointing as it's been for some people if you're you know a member of our forums that's that's not an issue because you're you're a smarter wrestling fan if you're a, a member of our forums i think that's uh, pretty safe to say so uh voice wrestling.com slash forums also just voice wrestling.com for all the great stuff that we do and all the great contributors we have and columns and all that other good stuff as well all right so we got uh balls of fire slam of we're going to talk about as well uh battle of Angeles, as i said a little bit so we're going to get to that also the g1 climax uh kicking off here in a few days so uh, we'll preview the shows that are coming up there. Uh, and then some other news and notes as we kind of go along. But uh, we have to start with hashtag WWE balls. You think they'll WWE call balls. it great balls of fire next year? I feel like they can't, right? You know what You know what sucked mostly about great balls of fire? We'll, we'll talk. I, the pay-per-view itself was fine. But no deuce, no domino, no, no cherry, no honky-tonk. Well, maybe they'll use a 50 song next year and they'll call it WWE leader of the pack. And <laughs> right. come out. Right? Yeah, the, the, Dino and the, what's what's his uh, what's his unit called? Who? Uh, Dino, I forgot his last name. Fucking some random fifties dude. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, Dino? What the, the fuck is Dino? Uh, Dino's the Flintstone dinosaur. No, what it's the not. Fuck no, are you I know it's not the the fucking uh, what's his? Yeah, okay. Is it a band? What are you trying to think of? Here? Dion. Is it Dion? Oh, Dion. Yeah, Dion. Yeah, not, not Dino. Not it's Dion. Dion. <laughs> Dion. There we go. What was his unit Dino? I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Dion had a unit, right? Like a little uh, stable with him. Dion is a 50 singer. Dion. Yeah, I know. I thought he had a stable and they had a name. But never mind. Okay, my joke just failed miserably. So just move on. <laughs> it's not. It's not working out at all that I tried. It, but it no. definitely wasn't. It wasn't. Wasn't. Uh, wasn't. Wasn't Dino. It was that. No. You talking about the guy who sang like the Wanderer and yeah, 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 yeah. Run around two and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that was that was Dion. Yes. Did, his unit had a name though, right? Or did they not? Did he just what do you mean take his all the unit? Credit? I thought he had a unit. Well, you, you're, you're acting like he's a Dragon Gate wrestler here. What do you mean a unit? You I mean thought his it was, band? I thought it was no, no. Yeah, I thought it was Dion and then the Belmont. Dion and the Belmont. The Belmont. That's that's all I was looking for. The Belmont. Yeah, but you kept saying unit, and I'm like, I'm trying to think of like Dan Chico Dino, and if he has a unit in DDT or something. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, that's Dino. all I was looking for there. You know, his crew. Dion and the Belmonts yeah. is what you see. The point is, like, I, I, I'm like a wrestler, like. I, if I try to describe real things to people now, I use like units. I use kayfabe in real life. Like you know, like right, I right, meant right. to Gimmick. say band, but I kept saying unit in my head because I thought that, that you know, like <laughs> so now we got to call backup singers. Yeah, backup singers, band. No, I called them the unit, but no, it's you know, okay. His bubble is his bubble is strong. It's hard to get out of this bubble. But uh, all right, WWE balls, Joe. What do you think of WWE balls? You like a little run around Sue? You like that? One? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I like it. Fifteen music. It's out all around. <laughs> I wonder what happened to the Belmonts. 
I, I feel like I looked up. I did like a Wikipedia. I, I think I did like a big Wikipedia wormhole once on him, and like he was a total asshole to all those dudes. So like the, they kept like rotating dudes in and out, and he would just like not pay them or whatever. Like one of those. Sort of, they happened with a lot of fifties artists as well. Like um, oh sure, like Chuck Berry. It was always that way. Like. They're like, hey, Chuck, can we get any money? He's like, ah, fuck you. I'll get new guys. And they're like, all right. Like, well, I mean, Chuck Berry, I mean, he used to like the shit on women's faces and he stuff. He did. So or no, Chuck no, I'm sorry. He used to like to have women shit on his yeah, face. He did, he did, he, no, yeah, he wasn't shitting on anybody. They were shitting on him. Yeah, he no. was a kinky dude, fucking Chuck Berry. He, is he dead? He just died, right? He recently died, yes. You don't have to do the, We don't have to play the game here for that. He, he recently died. So. Yeah, I think it's the other way around. Like, he used to get groupies, and then he would want them to, like, shit on his face. He was into the scat, Rich. Which seems pretty extreme for the 50s. You know what I mean? Like, how do you approach, uh, like, I, I feel like nowadays, if you mention that, that, like, okay, you could find, you know, someone that, but I feel like in the 50s, that's pretty ballsy to be like, hey, <laughs> lady, what's up? Like, no, I, yeah, I mean, look, like, that's I, ball, like, know. that's like pre, I mean, I, I, I know there was, isn't that kind of a human thing though? Like, I think, like, I, I kind of feel like fetishes always existed. Like, I think there was a caveman somewhere who was like, shit on my face you know it seems like such a, I mean, a, a tough fetish though because what if like i don't have you know I don't it have is to a tough fetish. Like, I, I can't just you know exactly <laughs> you gotta find someone who really has to take a dump right i mean it's kind of a challenge like, shit on my face like, like I, i'm sorry i'm trying but i can't does he feed them first does he give them yeah, laxatives yeah. how does it work i mean i don't know the problem with having a scat fetish in the 50s is where do you find other <laughs> practitioners for the scat fetish? That's like, what I'm saying. Like that's I'm saying nowadays, like I go on to uh, I, there's probably a Reddit, a subreddit for people that like being shit out oh, of without right? question. Yeah. And I could very easily find you it. Could put not, up a Craigslist ad and have someone shit I mean, out within in an hour. hour. Yeah, yeah, within a half hour. So you got it. I mean, that's because I feel like you're just you can't just roll up to a party and be like, hey, you're pretty. Oh, you want to shit on my face? Like, whoa, hold on. Like, and like I feel like you let's see now if you're Chuck Berry, you could pull that off. Like he can get someone to shit on his face a lot faster than Rich Krage can because a girl's going to tell you, what are you trying to say here. No, you're... fuck off, you perv. Right. So, and Chuck Berry has more game than me. I don't know. Yeah, it's Chuck Berry. He doesn't have to have game. You know, he mm-hmm. just has to like play that one chord that he played his entire career and just still shit on his face you know like this was a man who every song was exactly the same but like it just fucking worked he oh, knew his you're gonna get heat you're gonna get it. some heat man oh come on chuck berry songs are all the same oh like, chuck berry twitter is gonna get very upset at you huh? listen i enjoy some chuck berry Uh-oh. the fact of the matter is i'm not putting my name to that i'm, I'm backing away from that all of his songs were the same goddamn song you know and it's like he just changed the words but he he knew his formula and he fucking stuck to it. You know how like Matthew McConaughey, he found his groove with the rom-coms and he was just like, you know what? I'm going to make 15 years of rom-coms and bank millions of dollars and then I'm going to branch out and do some real shit once I have my money. He knew his formula and he stuck to it. Chuck Berry knew his formula and he fucking stuck to it. All those songs, you go listen to those Chuck Berry songs, it's not like there was a wide variety here. It was the same fucking shit over and over again. And, you know, the guy like girls to shit on his face. Look, I'm not judging him for it. It's kind of gross. I don't want girls to shit on my face. Um, I've done some things, Rich, but I've never done that. What do you think of Great Balls of Fire? I thought it was a decent show. Oh, wait. You're, <laughs> looking, right, for, yeah. you're looking for a hotter take, aren't you, Rich? No, I don't um, really care. That's kind of how I came away with the show as well. Like, I feel like this segment's going to be kind of terrible. It's just like, there was good. No, I got a lot bad. to say about the matches, though. Yeah, no, okay. All right, well, you want to start at the top end? You want to go uh, main event, or do you want to talk okay, about Okay, Rich, yeah. I have a question. Okay. Did you watch the pre-show? I did watch the pre-show. We talked about it last week. Did you mm-hmm. watch it? I did. 
Nice job out of you. What would you think of Neville defeating Akira Tozawa in 11 minutes and 40 seconds? Here's my thing, and this is a big reason why I don't watch the pre-show matches all that much, is the first half of the match w- w- was pretty slow or whatever, and it was getting going and getting going or whatever, and it's starting to build. I'm like, all right, here we go. This is fun. This is fun. This is fun. Neville locks on a chin lock, and they go to fucking commercial. And I'm like, ah, damn it. And the commercial's long as shit, and it's like just boring, like dumb commercials that I don't need to see, promotion for the show that I'm already watching or whatever. And then they came back, and the last half of it I enjoyed a lot. Like, I love the character work of Neville. Uh, Tazawa's kind of finding his place a little bit as well. I don't really like the Titus O'Neil stuff, but hey, if it's, it's if it's what gives Akira Tazawa his big spots for now, I, I'm fine with it. But no, I enjoyed the last half, and I really thought it, without the commercial break, it would have been a really awesome match. But I, I don't know if you felt the same way. I just felt like that entire thing just killed the momentum of what was building up to be a dec- a really good match that just kind of got stalled and then felt like two a match of like two halves or whatever, where the second half was really good and the first half be- pre-commercial just kind of dragged a little bit because it seemed like they were kind of playing to the, the the time and then going, okay, cool. Now we're at commercial. I'll slap on the headlock. Okay, we're back. Now we can have a real match or whatever. Because the last five minutes or so where I thought were really, really good. Yeah, I agree with the formatting of the pre-show matches. I hate the commercial. Um, so yeah, it is a problem. I thought I enjoyed the match though. And I think that, um, I thought we saw a little Dragon Gate here, Rich. I think they did a lot of hot Dragon Gate style sequences here. And I think they did a lot of uh, wink, wink stuff that, um, you know, a lot of Dragon Gate callbacks. I think that the work there, there was a sequence after the, after the commercial, of course, which is what you're talking about. There was a lot of fast paced, super crisp Dragon Gate esque style work. And I really got into it and I was getting into the match and I thought the finish was just atrocious and it killed the match for me. Terrible finish with the crotch shot, with the ropes and the Titus O'Neil stuff. And I agree. I, I look, I, you know, the Titus O'Neil stuff with Akira Tozawa. Here's why I don't like it. I wouldn't mind the Titus O'Neil. I don't mind the Titus O'Neil character. Um, I don't think he's a good wrestler, so I think this is a good role for him. But I don't understand why Akira Tozawa is the guy that they've linked with him. It would make more sense to give him a guy who lacks charisma. Akira Tozawa was getting over on his own. Akira Tozawa, I'm fully confident, would have gotten over on his own if uh, he stayed on it. He doesn't need the Titus O'Neil stuff. That's my biggest issue with it. There are plenty of guys on 205 Live who could use a little Titus O'Neil rub. But you know what I'm saying? Akira Tozawa is not one of them. He doesn't need it. Um, so from that perspective, I wish that they would yeah, have well, not done that and they've gotten away and they would that they would get away from that. But uh, their perspective is he doesn't speak English well enough. So well, you're probably we, right. We but have the, to give him but, a, a mouthpiece, which is so beyond stupid if you've ever seen Akira Tozawa wrestle in the ring for more than a minute. Yeah, and you know, Jesus, we don't need this guy. Like he, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't even need a cup. I mean, I know that they. Oh, you got a cup. You got to have the guy go in the ring and do Akira Tozawa things. The guy. I mean, I, I remember I voted him most charismatic in the Observer Awards numerous years, based off him just going in the ring and doing his thing. Like he was a guy that just would always get the crowd on his side within a few seconds. I mean, it didn't take long. You saw him live, and it was incredible as well. Like that's a guy who yeah. at Dragon at USA, like every play, every time he would go and in front of a new crowd or whatever, the guy that would come away with the biggest pops and the, and the most reactions was Akira Tozawa. He was just an absolute charisma <laughs> machine. And, and I'll incredible. tell you from his first match on 205 live, he was over by 205 live standards. You, you know, he, people just respond to him. Um, and I, and I think he was getting low and I, I don't really think it's necessary. He doesn't need this help. He would have gotten over anyway. It's frustrating. Um, because I do think it ends up hurting his matches and limiting, you know, what you could do because this company can't resist. I mean, if Titus O'Neil is at ringside, he's going to be involved in finishes and everything else. So, um, hopefully this doesn't last long. 
and he gets away from it. It's not like – here's the thing. It's not like I'm not enjoying what they're doing. It's goofy in sort of a fun way. You just know there's more potential there, that they're wasting – I know because yeah. that doesn't need it is right. what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. And there's guys on 205 Live who do. Uh, you know, uh, clearly, you know, I'm watching 205 Live now as we record this, and I saw something awesome. It's a little thing, but man, did I like it. You know, s- sort of TJ Perkins, who's now TJP Rich. Yeah, because oh, he's cooler. Yeah. He's yeah, cute. which, I mean, he's been he's been TJP before in his career, but he's doing this thing now where it's like he's no longer Neville's, you know, little minion, and the Austin Aries story is over, so he's kind of like refinding himself, and he's on a losing streak, and he just lost this match to Rich Swan. And they went through a series of flash pins, not really the Guerrero Malenko spot, but something similar, you know, where they're like bridging each other and going for flash pins. And Swan got the three count on like this uh, cradle flash pin deal. And TJP, because there was a series of close near falls, even though Swan scored the pin, Perkins went right into like a cravat and went to, you know, do a move to Swan, even though, and the referee had to step in and break him up and tell him the match was over. I always I love those. Yeah, I love those spots. They used to, that's like a classic Japan spot, too, where the guy, like, yeah. will not believe that he lost by three. Like, you know, he gets up and starts, like, trying to tackle him. And it's like, no, no, it's over, man. Like, it's three. Yeah, and then the ref explained it, and then Perkins looks shocked, you know, and he's, like, tearing off his wrist tape. I love little shit like that. That that pumped me up when I was sitting here watching that. Well, I, I'm, actually, I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I went back the, today, actually. I was watching a lot of 205 Lives because I've really been behind on it, and I, I keep hearing it's a decent show, keep hearing it's a decent show. I kind of – Got off of it a few months ago and was like, ah, I'm not coming back. But I was like, all right, I've heard a lot of good things. The show is great. Like 205 Live is great. The problem, though, and I, t- I tweeted it out earlier as well, is just you're you're working from an audience that does not care and does not give a shit. So even though the stuff, like, if you put the stuff on mute and watch it, like I think you're doing right now, yeah. it's incredible. But then when you watch it and you hear, like, the announcers trying to, like, make it a bigger deal than it is because the crowd's not making any sort of noise and you see people walking around getting popcorn. You see people looking at their watches and grabbing their kids and leaving and stuff like that's what hurts it. Like they'll do a brawl and nobody makes any noise. They cut a promo and nobody's like, I, that's what's killing the show. Cause the show itself fundamentally is great. Like there's a lot of good stuff going on there right now. Um, even the guys that I don't really like, like a Drew Gulak. I like his kind of character that he's doing right now. The TJP stuff uh, has been really good. Even the, 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 the Kendrick Gallagher stuff I've, I've been into as well. All really good stuff, but the problem is if the crowd doesn't care, it just makes it all seem stupid. So it's like I wish they would find a better way to, to, to tape this stuff and tape it somewhere else or go to Full Sail or, or, or do it with you know NXT tapes or whatever because that's what I think really hurting this thing more than ever is like you watch it and it's just like it, it, it you feel like you should be bored by it because the crowd's bored, but it's not boring at all. It's really good. I'm going to disagree to this extent. I don't necessarily think it's great. Also, by the way, remember the rumors it was going to go down to a half hour? Um, all of these episodes are like 59 minutes still, so that never came to be. Um, but um, wasn't that a rumor that they were going to cut the show down like by half? Well, yeah, because they were going to um, – um, SmackDown was going to – or whatever. That What's the SmackDown – Talking show. smack, talking smack. Yeah, I was, I was thinking smack talk. Raw talk is the bit. Yeah. yeah, that one was going to move ahead of that, and then it was going right. to come after that. It was something weird like that where that, that was. Yeah, I don't know whatever came because that. more people were watching Talking Smack than Two Hundred Five Live. So you know, I guess they figured no one's watching Two Hundred Five Live, then we can cut it. And then people thought, all right, well, that means doom for these guys. But you know, I'm watching the most recent episode, and it's 59 minutes, so that never happened. But I'll disagree with you. I don't think the show is great. I think the show is very underwhelming. I think uh, there's like one match a week that where you get good action. Um, that TJP Swan match I just watched was excellent, actually. Um, but I think it's bogged down by too much goofy bullshit. I do not like the Drew Gulak stuff. I think it's stupid. Um, I do not like the Brian Kendrick Gallagher Gallagher stuff. Um, I don't like the fact that Tazawa is paired with Titus O'Neil, like I just spoke about. I think that um, it's just if it's just going to be Tiny Guy Raw, 
I think that's a problem. I think it needs its own identity and it doesn't have one. I think if they just would have stuck with the Cruiserweight Classic formula, at least the show would have been different. Um, the fact, look, I, I understand you got to give guys characters or whatnot, but look, every, we talked about this ad nauseum, Rich. Everyone in the Cruiserweight, char- uh, Cruiserweight Classic had character. It was just real out reality based and it made it it's so much more interesting than making Drew Gulak this cartoon character and giving Akira Tozawa a cartoon manager and having Brian Kendrick do bad comedy. Um, I don't want a 50 minute version of raw with guys that are small that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'd rather just yeah, have a yeah. that has its own identity. Uh, give us a geeky work rate show for the dork fan. It's on the network anyway. You know what I mean? And if you want to counter with no one will be interested, well, no one's interested in this because no one watches two Oh five live and there's statistics that back that up. So whatever they're doing, isn't working. Uh, what do you think it is, Vic Joseph, who's been doing commentary with Corey yeah, on the show? Yeah, yeah he's, he's kind just of like, a guy, right? He's like a factory he's another, guy. Yeah, he's, he's exactly. Yeah. Yep. But the thing like, is, if you're going like to give me Corey Graves, Mike Rome, yeah, Mike Rome or whatever. Yeah, Graves makes up for everything. Graves carries exactly. that load, which, you can put which Graves by the way, with that fucking guy. I mean, he. I don't think he gives enough credit. That dude's on NXT. He's on Raw. He's on. I mean, he's doing pay per views. He does this. Like that dude's a machine. It could jump between those with no issue whatsoever. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's, he's a so great. Good. He's a great announcer. <laughs> they use you know, him on everything. They use him on literally every show. <laughs> we talk a lot about shitty announcers, and there are a lot of them. You know, I think Corey Graves is great. I think Ian Riccoboni is doing a great job on Ring of Honor. I really do. He's starting um, to get his I, voice a little bit. The voice is—he's still got to kind of refine it a little bit, but you can see the potential there for sure. Yeah, I mean, and I think he's—he's he's an improvement over Kevin Kelly. I like him better than Kevin Kelly. Um, I, you know, I, I loved Robert Flores on on Slam. Did you watch Slam Anniversary? You watch of it course, now, right? Yeah. So, what you think of Flores? Oh, he was great. He was incredible. Yeah, that was. So uh, you liked him too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I he mean, was like a pro the entire day. Him and Don West, that was a great combo. I would do whatever. Did a great I job the whole show. Those dudes, whether yeah. it's every big show, every whatever. Those two guys were like, and and those I, those guys haven't worked together before, but it didn't matter because they're two pros. Like they were just ready to go yeah. and they act like they were the best friends ever. That have been talking, you know, and then doing this company for ten years or whatever. They had great brutal. chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Flores, like you said, a professional job. They're bouncing uh, off each other, like yep. having actual conversation. Like that was, they were great. They, I was I was stunned at how good. That I knew that Flores was going to be good. I worried a little bit about Wes because he's been kind of out of the game a little bit. That dude was ready to go. I mean, the guy hasn't done it, yeah. you know, regular commentary in eight years or whatever. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm like, what the hell? It just, yeah. Barnett, I, thought, I think is excellent. Yeah. Um, and the other guy. New, new boom period of announcers. There's a lot of good ones out there right now. I think we spend a lot of time picking on him. I just wanted to put over some guys I think are good. And the last guy I wanted to bring up is Cole Cabana. I think Cole Cabana has found his calling. I mean, I think he's mm-hmm. excellent. You know, him and Riccoboni are a great team. They really are. I've been watching a lot of Ring of Honor TV, catching up. And uh, I'm really enjoying Riccoboni and Cabana, particularly Cabana. I, I think he's excellent in the role. I'd rather hear him on commentary than see him wrestle. Um, I was never a huge Cabana fan. I, didn't, I don't hate him like a lot of people do. But uh, I think he's doing a great job. I think he's – and look, remember, they tried him out when he was in developmental. And he was good then. That had to be 10 years ago or close to it. And it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, and, and he was said to be good, at, you know, in those days. And I, I could see why. I mean, he seems like a natural, you know. And he's a guy that you can tell loves wrestling and watches a lot of wrestling. So that always helps, which is why I think Robert Flores was good. Because he's a fan. Um, so, he'll, yeah, I just want to talk about a few guys who I think are really good. Uh, the other problem with 205 Live, though, Rich, is Noam Dar. He needs to go the fuck away. I cannot stand Noam Dar. <laughs> There's nothing enjoyable 
or entertaining about Noam Dar, not his gimmick, not his wrestling, not anything about him. Um, He's just, it's instant go away heat for me uh, when Noam Dar hits the ring. And now Aria Davari has been back on the last few episodes too. And uh, at least he has a little bit of flair doing sort of this, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, Arab playboy sort of character. Um, where he's this rich, yeah, like Arab. rich, yeah, rich Arab playboy guy. Yeah, I don't know exactly what you call it, but yeah, so somewhere, somewhere in that realm for sure. Which, I mean, th- here you go. There's a guy who needs some help with his charisma. Oh, you know what God, I mean? Yeah. Stick him with Titus O'Neil. Akira Tozawa doesn't fucking need it. But, uh, but yeah, so there you go. And ironically enough, he's wrestling Akira Tozawa uh in the match that i'm watching right now but yeah so uh neville tozawa though circling back i love the match it had a lot of dragon gate elements i hated the stupid uh top roach to the crotch finish though and i thought it took away a lot from the match so. yeah i could see that i mean i i knew kind of the story that they were doing and then the next you know i think it was either on raw i believe that's the tozawa, thing, then paid him i back don't want stories want that. i know i agree guys. No, i want like, action well, and here, no i'm with you and, and that's why i said like i enjoy 205 live and i think it's good but I think it's good within the context of WWE, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit later, where I, I've almost given up that it's going to be what I want it to be. And then just saying, hey, if I'm going to enjoy this, I have to enjoy it for what it is. And it's yeah, a sh- yeah it's a version of Raw for an hour, but I like some of the guys and some of the work's okay. So that's what I mean. Like, yes, it's underwhelming in the sense that what I want it to be, but it's good in sense when I kind of readjust it for WWE and realize what I want it to be is now what's going to happen. Cruiserweight Classic was exactly what I wanted. That's never coming back. Unfortunately, I don't know why. But but here's the thing. Why not? Why can't it fucking come back? Rich, let me ask you this. This company is big enough and vast enough to serve every master. Raw can be. We talk about it all the time. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. Why can't Raw be the sports entertainment cartoon show? Well, 205 Live can satisfy the, the kind of niche that's listening to us right now. SmackDown could be the edgy show where all the women call each other bitch if they want to go that route. Uh, uh, you know, NXT could be the old school territory studio show. Why can't they serve every master? They have a network where they can produce their own content, where they do produce their own content. They have all of these different shows. You can make everyone happy. So why don't they attempt? Why does everything have to be a carbon copy of each other? It doesn't make sense. The Triple H stuff is all the same, right? And the Vince stuff is all the same. You've got two different versions of shows in this company. And when they can have six different versions of shows, and it's frustrating. And it frustrates the hell out of me. And 205 Live pisses me off every time I watch it because it's the most glaring example. This should be the Cruiserweight Classic style stuff every single week. Instead, I don't know. I got Titus O'Neil out there goofing around. And it just it, it frustrates me. No, I'm with you. I, I agree. But we'll, we'll talk about a segment here a little later in, in, in WWE Balls that, that I I kind of have the same thoughts that, that I had that I expressed a little bit about 205 Live. But We'll get to that when we get there. But, no, and uh, then that's the thing. And then guys, when, when guys change brands, it's, it would really be exciting because you're like, oh, wow. Now, you know, whoever is yeah. going to move oh, to no. this show and have to adjust to the different style of this show. And we, do, we've and, had this discussion for years now. If you remember, we, we back four, three, four years ago, I remember us having this discussion. I, I think it was when Tyson Kidd was like moonlighting in NXT or whatever. And we said they could do this all. If they made WWE main event, like its own little special thing, and it's whatever WWE main event was, it had like a style. It had like a house style, a house feel to it or whatever. And when guys went there, it'd be a big deal. And if guys won whatever title was on WWE main event, say the Intercontinental title at the time is only on WWE main event or whatever, and that's a big deal. And then everybody in WWE main event really wants to win that Intercontinental title and really wants to excel at that style. We've been talking about that forever, and they just, they, they're not going to do that. It, it, they, they want this just clean, washed, everything looks the same, everything feels the same. Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins. <laughs> 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 
here's my big here's my big picture thought on this. I want those twelve minutes of my life back, but it was a nothing match. But actually, you know what? That's not fair. I got to be honest. I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Um, but my bar was coming in pretty low. But the action was good here. The the problem. Well, here's the thing. I was so happy when I when it went on first because it was getting out of the way because Bray Wyatt is just I can't take the guy. Um, I don't know who I want to watch less Bray Wyatt or Noam Dar. It's real fucking close. Like I wish Bray Wyatt and Noam Dar would just like feud with each other on a show that I never watch. Like I, Noam Dar and Bray Wyatt should go to Chikara and feud forever against each other. So I never <laughs> right. have to watch them. Um, but actually this match exceeded my expectations. I'm not saying it was a great match or anything, but um, I expected to not be into it at all. And it actually, the action sucked me in. But uh, that's the best thing I could say about it. I don't care about this feud. I don't care about Bray Wyatt at all. And I'm starting not to give a shit about Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is the kind of guy where he has to be involved with someone I care about in order for me to care about him, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and that's like I, I thought the action was fine and all that. I just I can't I couldn't possibly care about anybody. Bray Wyatt, I just no, I, I don't care about Bray Wyatt and, and Seth. We talked about it last week. I'm increasingly not caring about anything he does either. So yeah, it was kind of just a match. So I was like, all right, it's here. over. Yeah, it's just it was fine, but I just don't, don't care what don't care who wins, don't care what happens, don't care, don't care. Don't care. I'd rather talk about people shitting on Chuck Berry's face, to be completely honest. I, I pretty much, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that was a lot more fun. Let's then. move on to the big cast. <laughs> Let's do that because I was actually into this match. I'm into this feud. As I well, was into so. it too. I think both of these guys are doing a tremendous job, particularly Enzo. Enzo gave another great promo. How good is this guy on the promo? I mean, he, I tell you, welcome to the fucking club, Joe. We've all been saying. I don't know what you're where you've been. No, He's well, here's good. the thing. He, no, he went through that period where it was just shtick every week and the same boring shtick. But when this guy's been giving these impassioned promos in this program, you know, I, I, they're they're good. I got to give credit where credit's due. But when it's the same old coming out there with Cass talking about, you know, uh, the same fucking shit, if I had a stack of dimes, I, I can't do it every week. That's what, that's what drove me nuts. I always knew the guy was a good promo. No, but that's fair. That's fair. He's really stepped it up here. In terms of when he's got a focus and something to talk about, he gets me into this feud. He really does. And he got me into this match. And oh, this I was great. It. This was him looking yeah. at the, it was like one of those old look at the camera promos that they don't do ever. You know, they really shy away from that. This guy got like six minutes to cut a promo. Like I kept looking, I'm like, this is still going. This is still good. And it was like, I, I don't know if that's the cue they gave him or if he just kind of ran on his own and said, Hey, screw this, I'm kind of going on my own. But yeah, he the way he delivers it, the way it feels like a real dude talking and that that's important in this company because not many guys cut promos that are like this. And it's, it's, in, it's, it's, it's odd because he's the kind of guy where when he's doing his shtick, he's the antithesis of a real dude, but he's coming off like a real dude here in this feud. And as far as the match, I love that it was a squash. You know what I mean? It, it, it reminded me of a freshman, you know, picking on the wrong senior and just getting fucking thrashed in the locker room. And that's exactly what this should have been. But Enzo, you know, for all the knocks he gets for his ring work, the guy can sell his ass off. And, you know, he knows how to take a beating. And there is something there with him uh, in terms of selling and and working towards this little snot punk character. You know, it's really hard to be a little snot punk baby face, right? That's not easy to pull off. It's real easy to be a little snot punk heel. But he pulls it off as a baby face and he draws sympathy and, you, you know, he draws empathy despite the fact that you know the guy's a loudmouth and you know that, 
uh, he usually has it coming to him, right? But he's still able to pull it off and get you behind him. They have something with this guy, Rich. I just don't know what it is. Like, what yeah, is the long game on him? Yeah, I don't know. Because because one thing that's pretty cool, and, and I, I saw a lot of people getting upset that oh, Enzo didn't get any offense and all that sort of. Oh, and come that, on, that was the that's same right thing. for the story. Come on. I agree. Well, no, and we've been we've been on this for for years as well. Like, because even on, back in NXT, people, oh, Enzo just gets his ass kicked the entire time, and Big Cass has to clean up the mess, and do all, it's always for the hot tag for Big Cass. And I was like, you don't understand the characters, and 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 that's how when they broke up, which was great because Big Cass made a mention of that. He said, hey, look, I always clean up your fucking messes. Like, yeah. you know, you you cash the checks that your mouth can't, you know, are you 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 know cut the checks you can't your, your mouth can't cash or whatever, and I have to come in here and clean everything up all the time. You always get in these fights, and I have to come and help you. I'm it's another, that. Yeah, it's another one of these scenarios where the heel kind of has a point, right? Yeah, he's like, you, just stop talking. <laughs> like, just stop getting us in fights, and I don't have right. to – because I'll, I'll go. I'm going to fight for you because you're my brother. I'm always going to do it for you. But at some point, I'm going to say, hey, look, I can't keep doing this for you. Like, And we talked about this years ago with the Enzo of, like, there's friends like that. I have a friend that always gets in fucking – every time we go to a bar, he gets in a fight. And it's like, dude – just stop. And like, you know, for a while we would always, and we're at a point now where we're like, no, you, you clean up your own mess. We're not doing that anymore for you. Like, right. You go do your own thing. Like, like we have, we have gotten you out of messes so many times that we don't care anymore. Like we're still friends and we'll still hang out. But the second you're in a fight, I'm going, all right, I'm out. Like you're on your own. And that's what Cass kind of did. So the story then is, is, is real. Cause everybody knows that type of guy, a guy that's a big talker. He's got a big guy behind him when he's got, you know, that guy who can sort of help him out a little bit. So, and that's how they built up the story. And that's, that's why Enzo shouldn't have gotten any offense. Why big cash should have beaten him because Enzo was, was as, as, when we go deep down in the story, it would have been stupid. I wouldn't have liked the story of Enzo all of a sudden proved, Oh, I'm a good fighter. Like I'm, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, yes. For sense. some guys, that story works for Enzo. It doesn't work. Not for Enzo. Enzo's this, this, a little punk. You said snot nose punk. Right. And he needs to remain a snot nose punk. Cause it right. doesn't work. If all of a sudden he came out and started busting out these awesome moves and it's like, Oh my God, Enzo has been great this whole time. Oh, we didn't even know. Like that, that doesn't work for me. I don't like that. I, I like what they're doing here, but I'm with you. I don't know in six months what the Enzo game is. Yeah. But I know that there's something there. I, you know, there's, I just can't identify what he's a cream, guy. He's a cream rice to the top guy. Like something is going to work. It's going to work for him in some way, shape or form. I just, yeah, I don't know where or how. I know but, everybody's instant answer is manager, you know, but I don't even know if that's it. I, I there's just, I don't know. Um, we worked the match. I mean, you know, he should definitely, uh, you know, cash. The thing about Enzo is he's the kind of guy who eventually will get in a big feud and, and it'll be a big, big moment when he, when he, when he pulls an upset over somebody, a hard fought, you know, cause the guy shows, you know, there's a lot of heart, you know, he shows a lot of heart. He just, he's just this little snot nosed punk who can't get the job done. So I, yeah, I'm enjoying the feud. I enjoyed the breakup. It's the kind of thing where you feel like, you know, they never won a tag team title in NXT. They never won one on the main roster. You almost feel like eventually they can put these guys back together at some point, make it a big time moment, and then have them win a title or something, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's the end game here. Or I don't know if it's just full steam ahead with Big Cass. I think Big Cass is a guy who has some development to go. I think, you know, you know, Rich, I think big guys in wrestling – you know how they say catchers in baseball are slow to develop with the bat? You know what I mean? Because they're so they're, they're so focused on on their defense and, and things like that. And then uh, sometimes the bat is slow to come around with catchers. I think with in wrestling, sometimes big guys are slow to develop, right? And, uh, you know, Cass, you know, I don't think he's a great worker or anything, but I think that he can be. I, I think that he can continue to develop and become a good big man. I just don't think he he's quite there yet, but I do see it. I've always said this because they have the same body frame and things like that. He reminds me of an early TNA Lance Hoyt. He really does. 
um, where like, look, Lance Hoyt wasn't the most polished or refined worker early on in TNA. And it really took him a long time, maybe 10 years to really find himself as a worker. Right. But eventually he did. And he became a really good worker, a really strong worker and a really good tag worker. But it took a while. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes with these bigger guys, you know, it takes them longer than these than these smaller guys to come around as workers. Yeah, and, and a guy like a Braun Strowman, who who's bigger in a, a little bit of a different sense than than Cass, he he's a, the exception, really. I mean, that's a guy who's almost pretty much refined at this point. But you look at guys, even even the ones of you know the la- the last decade or so, like your Mark Henrys and Big Shows, whatever. Those guys, I mean, it took them ten years. I mean, in, in some cases, Mark Henry, it took you know, maybe even more than that until he kind well, of finally Henry figured out what stunk for the longest time. Mark I mean, Henry stunk yeah. until like two thousand three, and, and like it was signed there in what ninety six. Like, yeah, he was already active there by ninety six, and it took him forever to figure it out. I mean, this guy was go watch nineteen ninety nine Mark Henry, and you will not believe that that's House of Pain, Mark Henry. You right. know what I mean? Like there's there a Hall of Pain, right? Or was it Hall of Pain? It was Hall, Hall of Pain. Pain. Right? Yeah, House of Pain is, is the fantastic around, Irish. Uh, <laughs> jump around. Everlast. Right. Right. Everlast and Danny Boy. And I don't yeah, remember the right. guy's name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> the poor other guy. He's like, oh, the other guy in the House of Pain. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you you watch like ninety nine two thousand Mark Henry, you would never believe that it's Hall of Fame Mark Henry, and and Big Show too. You watch like ninety five Giant. I mean, that's a guy who you know was a handful of matches. And they put him up in in big spots or whatever, and that's a guy who took forever to get. It. I mean, even in WWE, it took five years or so until he kind of figured it out as well. It wasn't until Heyman got his hand around him and really said, "Hey, just be a fucking monster, man. <laughs> just do it." So I think it does. It always does take people a while. One thing that I'm a little weary of is is I don't know if you saw Raw, but they had Cass go up against Big Show. Which to me is the dumbest fucking thing in the world, because explain. I know the, well, the story is you want Cass to eventually, you know, slay the big man or whatever. But right, I don't know if you remember this or how much WCW were watching in '99 or whatever. Uh, remember when they brought? Or maybe it was 2000. I forgot what what exactly year they they brought him. Remember when WCW brought in Mike Awesome? I do. Okay, the and fat what chick thriller? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is prior. This is this is when he was still you know he was still the ECW that seventies guy. Yeah, that 70s guy. Yeah, jeez, they <laughs> sure. Well, when they first brought him in, they brought him in as ECW champion or whatever. And and Mike Awesome was the shit then. For people that don't know, I mean, he was in the ECW. He was great. I mean, he was this monster that could fly, could kill people, was destroying Masato Tanaka and fucking up Taz and, and doing stuff. like that. So they bring him into WCW, and the first thing he does is he's he's against Kevin Nash, and Kevin Nash gets in the ring, and like Mike Awesome comes up to Kevin Nash's like mid chest, right? And it's like, well, geez, this guy's like a monster, and now he's in the ring, and he already looks smaller than this right. guy, like. Do what Heyman did with Mike Awesome. Just have him beat little dudes forever. Spike yes. Dudley and Masato. Right, have him toss Spike Dudley into the eighth row or whatever. And then it's like, holy shit. You have him go against Kevin Nash and work like a, a, a you know, match where, where he's even with the dude. That's not how you – this guy's a monster. He's never – Mike Awesome was never going to be good at being an even Steven guy. What made Mike Awesome great, and it happened in Japan too, is that he was tossing dudes around like a, a, a maniac. So have him against younger guys or have him against smaller guys or whatever. Having cast against Big Show to me is like – no, that's the same thing. Like, he comes up here, and it's like, well, that guy's bigger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if Cass's whole thing is going to be, I'm tall, so I should be a star, well, here's a guy that you're facing who's taller than you and who, you know, you can't dominate and you can't throw around. I'll like, give, the, can, I give the, can I give the counter to this? Sure. I kind of like that they're programming him with Big Show because I think Big Show's at the stage of his career where obviously, I, I mean, I, I hopefully, I say obviously, but who the fuck knows? I mean, I think Cass should just, you know, definitively beat this guy in a feud and it's a you know big shows at the point where he should be putting guys over like Cass no I agree but the problem is it, the optics of it are going to be Cass isn't going to be able to toss him around right 
Kiss is going to be able to close it play to and body slam him. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to look good if he just slays another giant. I want him just to destroy. For now, while you're still trying to build him up and, and, and get him going, have him just slay these little dudes. Have him His offense against Enzo compared to what his offense is going to be against Big Show. What, yes. what, what builds up a future big man? Right. To me, it's not, you know, hitting a clothesline or, or, or doing a body slam on the big show. It's tossing dudes around for a long time. And, and that's uh, Braun Strowman. I mean, we look at Braun Strowman. What, what made that guy great was him fucking little dudes up for, for a, like, you know, six months, seven months or whatever where, until he became a – Callisto, Sammy yeah, Zane, right, right, whoever right. it was. That's, that's what it, so to me, the, the optics of it are, are just silly. I, I would not do it. I know what their thought is and I know what they're thinking, but I don't think Cass was ready gotcha. for that yet. I think Cass is at the point where beat up little dudes for, for a few more months. And then you can yeah. then maybe slay a giant or whatever. But I don't think you need to do that. I don't know that the rub of beating Big Show is what it is in 2017. But we've been saying that for years. They have a different idea of what they think the rub of beating Big Show is. So I will just back away from the table there. But uh, I will tell them to look at the example of Mike Awesome in, in WCW. So Cesaro and Sheamus defeat the Hardy Boys. Four falls to three. 30-minute Iron Man match. Um, I got to tell you, I... You know, this didn't have this got very tepid responses on Twitter. Um, I don't think you liked it very much. Um, I kind of liked it. I thought, look, I don't like the Iron Man step. So I was coming into it negative. Plus, I was coming in with all the tepid reviews. Uh, but it over it, 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 it over delivered for me because it to me, at least these teams attempted some creative things. You know what I mean? Yeah, it came down to the wire, and you knew the Hardys were going to get that last second fall. I get that. But at least they tried some different things. They did the flash pin with the broke kick to start the match. They did one fall, which was a count out. Um, and it got a little tropey towards the end. But I think, look, the Iron Man's a tough match, uh, a tough stipulation to not fall into certain tropes. It's almost impossible not to. And I think that these guys did the best with the hand they were dealt. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, that's kind of my takeaway when the match was over is that I, I hate the stipulation. I hate Iron Man stipulations, and I, I've talked about it many times before, so I'm not going to get into it here. So I thought they were kind of handicapped by that, but I thought with it being said, as good as you can do, I think, in, a, in an Iron Man match, especially a tag Iron Man match, and it being 30 minutes, I thought they did a, a great job at the end of of making it seem super important. I mean, the beginning, and that's, again, like it was hard to be invested in anything that was going on in the first 25 minutes or whatever because I knew – Yes. Oh, Cesaro and Sheamus are up three one. Oh, gee, I wonder if the Hardys are going to tie it up. Oh, they tied it up with you no know, five minutes to go or whatever. Oh, who would have thought? Uh, yeah. So that was all like whatever. If you've been watching for any amount of time, you know that that's kind of what you're going to get with a WWE Iron Man match. They're going to tie it up. Once someone's going to go way ahead, and then someone's going to tie it up. Same thing with the best of sevens they do all the time, or right. the best of whatever's. But then I thought the last five minutes were great, and it was just kind of like ah, you know, that's what I have the issue with the Iron Man matches is, is you can have something like they had those last five minutes without the 25 minutes before that were just kind of boring. But at the flip side of that, you can sort of say the mundane nature of the first 25 minutes made the last five that much better that they then were like, Oh shit, we're tied. We got to get going here. We got to hurry up a little bit. So I guess it it was kind of a a catch 22 in that sense where no, I don't, I would prefer just having a normal match and letting that last five minutes or so be the big bulk of the match or whatever, and be the the, the fun part of the match. But maybe you do need the first 25 or so to make that last five that much more important. Cause I thought the last five were incredible. And I thought the action going on and, and, you know, Matt break busting open, you know, I know you love your accidental blood and that was uh, fucking, I mean, he was gushing blood at that point. So yeah, that you had like chaos too. Like Cesaro went outside the ring to kind of stall and the cameraman kind of tripped over. So like everything that was going on the last five minutes was just like, these guys were just in a mad dash to win this match. So I thought that was kind of cool, but yeah, I could do without the Iron Man match stipulation. But with the context of how they did the match, I thought it was as good as an Iron Man match 
uh, or that I've seen in, in quite some time because I think most of them absolutely suck. So yeah, I never liked them. I thought it was one of the better ones that I've seen. I'm yeah, not I think that's fair. best one that I've seen, but it was you know I I I, I enjoyed the match. So um, usually I do not enjoy an Iron Man match. So. Um, Sasha Banks and the, well, actually, I guess we should address this. The Hardy Boy thing, like obviously, at some point, I don't know. According to Jeff Jarrett today, and we'll talk more about that presser later on when we do some anniversary. <laughs> uh, they own that IP and they don't plan on giving it up anytime soon. I, you know, that could be posturing. That could be something he just needs to say in terms of the broken stuff. Hey, guess what? Rebby um, disagrees loudly. Well, I mean, Rebby, listen, she's entertaining. <laughs> Rebby's entertaining. Listen, I love her Twitter account. She's funny, but she really needs to shut her mouth sometimes. Well, especially I mean, if you're in the ongoing litigation with somebody, you might want to just shut the hell up. Exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, shut it down and let it play out, and you're not making things better or right. easier. If you're trying to negotiate a deal, calling them assholes and liars all the time, hurts your and leverage all, a little bit. All it does is just pounds home the idea that they're upset that they're not with TNA anymore. They wanted to stay in TNA for reasons we've gone over a million times. Uh, they would have preferred to stay with TNA, and all she does—it comes off bitter. She comes off like a jilted girlfriend, is really how she comes off, uh, you know, with all this stuff. So, and if you notice, Jeff Jarrett said that he maintains a good relationship with uh, Jeff Hardy. Did Jeff, not mention yeah, Matt. Jeff, <laughs> you mentioned uh, Jeff many times. Specifically, Jeff Hardy. And uh, look, if I'm TNA, if I'm Anthem, if I'm Global Force Wrestling, if I'm Impact, whatever the fuck they are called today. I hold that IP for ransom, and why the fuck shouldn't they? They own it, they legally own it, and if WWE wants it, they are paying me life-changing money to get it. Because let me tell you something. It was WWE that set this precedent with IP, isn't it, Rich? In fact, the the first time that this reared its head, ironically, was when the Dudleys went to TNA, and this was big news at the time, but it was so long ago that people don't remember. And WWE would not let them use the Dudley Boy's name because they own the IP by buying it, by buying the, uh, you know, the ECW history or whatnot. And that's when the Dudleys had to come up with the uh, Team uh, 3D. Yeah, Team 3D. Team 3D, yeah. 3D Brother, Brother Ray, Ray yeah. Brother Devon, <laughs> yeah. clever play on words. Bully Ray, uh, but, Bully Ray. And that's really, uh, yeah, Bully Ray, I'm sorry. Um, no, wasn't it Brother Ray and Brother Devon at first, and then he was Bully Oh, then when he went on. heel, did he become Bully? I, I, think I wasn't was, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what the time was. It was Brother Ray and Brother Devon. Here's the Garrett yeah. signal. He'll definitely tweet at us right now. It was Brother Ray and Brother Devon. But, uh, you know, and then from there, IP in wrestling became, you know, you know, it became, you know, way more prominent than it had been before, especially when it came to guys going to TNA, which Christian went to TNA and he had to become Christian Cage because he had used the Christian Cage moniker on the Indies years before. All of those little things. WWE did this to themselves. They're the ones who have pushed this IP thing. TNA, Global, uh, Anthem, whatever they are, are well within their rights to hold on to this IP and to uh, and if they choose, never sell the rights to the Hardys or to WWE. And if I'm them, I don't unless it's an exorbitant amount of money because you got to look at it this way. This is wrestling. Anything can happen. And if they sell the IP to WWE and then the Hardys eventually leave, which they will, and they go back to uh, Global Force Wrestling, then you are stuck without the gimmick. I, I would keep that thing unless they paid me millions upon millions. I would, I would, I, whatever they offer, I'd ask them to triple it. And if they didn't want to, I'd tell them to shove it up their ass. They would never get that from me unless they, they backed up the fucking Brinks truck. And I don't blame them one bit. For doing it, I don't feel bad for WWE, obviously, and I do not feel bad for the Hardys. Okay, like Jeff Jarrett said today, this wasn't just a Hardy thing. 
There were writers that worked for that company that contributed to this. And, and, and the fact is they provided the documents. They put them on. They own it. There's nothing they can do about it. I don't, I, I don't begrudge them at all for holding on to this and holding WWE over a barrel. I really don't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm the same way, and, and it was kind of funny. We were mentioning a little bit on Twitter or whatever, and there's a lot of people, which is always weird. There's always like this big group that like comes to WWE's defense all the time. It's like, no, fuck this company. Like they can pay if they want to, if they really want they this. They would do the same goddamn thing exactly, and they have many, many times. Like go back, like you're saying, ten years ago, this was a the huge big thing when TNA was becoming an actual sort of minor threat to WWE. They were doing this all the time. When anybody left, they were stronger than those guys and like you said the team 3d the dudley boys one was one of the first prominent ones i remember then there was the christian cage and and there were numerous ones i remember when the outlaws went there they had to be god like uh you know billy gunn had to be the last outlaw or some stupid shit and you had bg james and all you know like these weird ass and guys would have to dig old gimmicks out just so they could come and be those like so WWE did that at the time which you know no i'm people pretty much were were okay well whatever i mean i guess i guess it makes sense i guess i i understand why WWE does it like kind of sucks for the performer but it is what it is so the problem, though, is that people are – and I saw this a lot on Twitter. Of, oh, well, don't you feel bad for the Hardys? Oh, what about the Hardys? What about the Hardys? What about the Hardys? Well, here's the thing. It's not like the Hardys are going to use this gimmick to barnstorm across the country and do indie dates or whatever. If that was the case, then, yeah, TNA's kind of being a dickhead. They're using it in WWE. I have no reason. <laughs> Why the fuck should TNA help WWE at any time? Right. Like, that's the thing. People are all oh, the Hardys. Oh, the Hardys. Oh, the Hardys. Fuck the Hardys. They, they, they are just the, the, the owners of that or whatever, or the people, the proprietors or whatever of the broken gimmick. They're going to be using it in WWE. When the law, when the, when it actually gets done, when it ever gets done, it's going to be used. In, it's not for them to use on the indies. It's not for them to do stuff with. It's for them to basically sell to WWE and use in WWE. So, no, I don't feel bad for the Hardys because they signed with WWE. They signed with the big guys. Like, that's right. So, yeah, I have, I have no issue with this. Listen, and, and, and it's not like they didn't negotiate with TNA. They just couldn't come to a deal. So, you know, they wanted to stay with TNA. They just didn't like the new ownership wasn't going to bend over for them the way that Dixie Carter did. And it turned out to be a smart business decision. They don't miss them at all. So I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I, I don't see it. And, you know, I did call the, uh, the broken gimmick overrated. That doesn't mean it's not over at all or it, it wasn't advantageous. I just think it's overrated in the sense that it wasn't over nearly to the degree that people thought it was. In time, look, if if it ends up being a thing in WWE, I think it's gonna be it's gonna blow the roof off every building they go into, and I think it's gonna be huge. I mean, we talked about that already. The best place for that gimmick is WWE. Or Ring and uh, if, they, if they do get their, <laughs> I think Ring of Honor was the number they, one. If they do get their hand, too, yeah. Top one big house for Ring of Honor, but let's be honest, that was Orlando at WrestleMania weekend. There is a good chance Ring of Honor would have set their record house without the Broken Hardys on that show. And let's and then listen, they weren't able to beat a broken hearties in Ring of Honor. Let's not forget that. Okay, it was the same deal. So it's not like they were doing broken hearty vignettes in Ring of Honor. Okay, yeah, now yeah, they were coming to Ring of Honor off of that cachet, so you could argue that. But uh who's to say that they wouldn't have set that record in Orlando without the Hardy? I don't know that. Um, you know, none of us know that. Uh, but but all credit to the Hardys, that's fine. They pop some indie houses too, uh, you know, off of that stuff, but you know, it certainly did nothing for Impact. Their lowest rated quarter of all time is when the Hardys were doing their gimmick uh, on television, going to various indies, winning indie belts as the Broken Hardys. Lowest quarter of Impact uh, viewership ever. Nobody fucking watched or cared about the Broken Hardys in Impact Wrestling, which is why they're in WWE now. Because they overvalued themselves to the new ownership group. And the new ownership group wasn't buying it, and they let them walk. 
and their viewership is up now without the Hardys. Sasha Banks defeats Alexa Bliss by countout, Rich. Countout. Uh, and for the Women's Championship. I thought this was an excellent match. I think that this showed uh, how good Sasha Banks is. Alexa Bliss has not had excellent matches against everybody. She's had some terrible matches against some people and some excellent matches against others. This was an excellent match. Uh, the finish, this is the kind of finish you're either going to love or you're going to hate. Did you love it or hate it? I like the finish. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I like this finish. I think it extends the program, which is fine by me because this was an excellent match with some really cool spots. I always used to love, like in 1987, 1988, when like the Honky Tonk Man would do a house show match defending the Intercontinental title, and he would just throw his hands and take a powder and walk out and take the count out loss. I love shit like that. I think that's a lot of fun. That's kind of what this was, but not really. You know what I mean? It was obvious that Bliss was taking the shortcut out of... Uh, yeah, I do hate that rule, though, and I wish they would change it, but they're not going to. Well, the, I think it's a good storyline device, that rule. I guess, but it's fucking... It's, I mean, they're giving up. Listen, <laughs> you got your pin for that, though. You know, you got your I know, I know, I know. That's, why I, don't, that's why I don't care. That. That's so, why I don't care, because I understand it's over to me, and it's what, it is what it is, and they're never changing that rule, but yeah. Right. And, it, and, you know, when you sparingly like this, I think it can extend the program. I kind of liked it here, um, and, I, and I did enjoy the match. So, uh, uh, yeah, I thought this was one of the better matches on the show. Brutal. And- it was brutal, too. And that's the part that, like, these – and, you know, there's, there's rumors that they don't really enjoy each other in real life. And, and I mm-hmm. think you could kind of sense that as we were watching the matches. Like, you know, they're kind of laying into each other a little, you know, more. Than, and sometimes that works. Sometimes, like – and they, you know, maybe they don't like each other, but they, they go, you know, right before they walk through the ring, they go, Hey, look, you know, I don't like you. You don't like me, but let's just go out there and kill it. Like I, there's, there's nothing again, like that happens. Like that is absolutely, I'm, I've been on teams before with guys that I hate, but it's like, Hey, when it, when it gets right down to it, sometimes that hate fuels a lot of really good stuff here. And, and, and I think this match is all that too. Like some people think, Oh, they don't like each other. They're not going to be on the same page. They're not going to work well together. Well, you can work well together if you hate someone. It's just, you know, some things might be a little more snug or there might be a little bit extra intensity. And and I felt that with this match. And I don't necessarily know that they hate each other in real life. And it's just kind of rumors. But there felt like a lot of just the, the, the punches felt a little stronger. The kicks felt a little stronger. The slams felt a little bit stronger. And I don't know that's necessarily them trying to hurt each other. More that they were, you know, real intense and real into the idea that they're fighting one another and and made it work because I thought this was super intense. One of the more intense women's matches I've seen in, in quite some time. It felt just like it reminded me of those old um, about a year or so ago, maybe a little less than that. Those Charlotte Sasha Banks series matches that we were talking about where like these. But that was different in the sense that those guys were doing high risk moves and like nearly killing each other. This felt like a brutal, dare I say, strong style type, you know, women's match or whatever. I got to defend you, Rich. You took a beating on the Twitter because you were fooled by the dislocated elbow spot and people were burying you because they've done the dislocated elbow spot (laughs) once or twice before. And you either didn't see it or you didn't recall. And I I think, you know, do they really expect you to remember every single spot that you've seen in every single thing that happened on fucking SmackDown? Like if I forgot like a Kenny Omega, Russell Kingdom spot, get at me. But if it's like a fucking spot that happened in March on SmackDown, I fucking I apologize. Oh, my God. The vitriol was like, oh, it happened before. How could you fall for that? Oh my God, it happened before. Like I don't watch every single freaking hour of of, of rug. Or if I do, I don't remember every single thing. Like maybe right. I missed that episode of SmackDown. It's it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that I maybe didn't watch that episode of SmackDown. Rich, that, I think it will shock no one if there's nine hours of TV a week, and maybe I missed the fucking spot that they did yeah. somewhere within those nine hours a week that they did. I mean, Jesus Christ! Yeah, like, you really took a beating for that, but I gotta defend you. I mean, I mean, you know, you didn't, you never saw the spot before. Who cares? Uh, so anyway, we got the Miz. Uh, defeating Dean Ambrose and the feud that never ends. I got to tell you, the only feud longer than this one has to be Noam Dar versus Cedric Alexander. 
The Noam Dar Cedric Alexander. It's over though. Feud. It's over now, right? I don't know. I'm watching Two Hundred Five Live right now, and they're having an I Quit match. Oh, uh, it's, I, uh, okay. Well, then I won't spoil it for you, but it's about right. to be over. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I bet. I bet not. I bet yeah, that shit continued <laughs> because this shit started with Cedric Alexander being paired with Alicia Fox, right? So if you this go is like back, September, isn't it? If you go all the way back to that, and then this feud, then Cedric Alexander gets hurt. But they're so dead set on continuing this feud that they just slipped in another black guy. <laughs> yeah, Rich Swan, you're now. Rich Swan, you're now the black guy who's feuding with Noam Dar uh, in this Alicia for no re- And they just had Rich Swan go out there with the most. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Like, who cares? He's like, like, hey man, I'm Cedric Alexander's friend, so I'm here to defend <laughs> his honor. Like, it made no sense. You know what I mean? Like. Like, imagine you know, doing that for one of your buddy's girlfriend. Like, you, your, your buddy really is into some girl or whatever. Would you, like, l- do anything? Would you beat some guy up so that your buddy could have a girl? I think I'm staying I out of like that. I feel like, I don't care, dude. I feel like I'm staying out of that. I'm like, dude, that's your problem. You should probably let her right, walk. Exactly. Like, she's cheating on she you. She might not be worth it, yeah. If she's cheating on you with Noam Dar, of all people, <laughs> right. I think it's time for you to move on. I mean, Sed just wants to move on. He doesn't give a shit. Well, no, I think at one point he was like, I don't care. That was in, like, <laughs> February. Right. The whole base of the like, I don't care from Every week he comes out there and says he doesn't give a fuck. And then the next week, they're they're wrestling each other again. And if he's hurt, they slip another black guy in there. It's amazing. Who also just, says actively that he doesn't care and yet spends three months fighting for it. I really can't take it. But I think that's the only feud in the company that's gone on longer than the Miz versus Dean Ambrose. Well, I think we're talking about this too, and I completely forgot that the, this this spanned brands because it was like yes. they're like, oh, this started on SmackDown and now it's on Raw. And I'm like, oh yeah. Jesus. I said that last thing. week. It started on SmackDown and it was shit then. And it's continued on to this show where it is shit now. <laughs> Nobody wants this. And and you know, I, I know people have turned on Dean. I still like Dean. I like the Miz, but I don't like the Miz or Dean anymore because of this feud. I don't give a fuck about Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. You can repackage those two guys with any kind of coat of paint you want. I'm never going to care about them, especially Bo Dallas. There have been times I've cared about Curtis Axel or found him mildly amusing. I will never care about Bo Dallas. I just won't. Um, you know, and this, I just turn my brain off when these two guys wrestle. Yeah. I just don't give a fuck about these guys or their boring feud. I'm getting sick of the Miz. I'm getting sick of Dean Ambrose. Have you noticed? Right? Have you noticed have we're, no starting to see, we're starting to see a lot less of the like, oh, imagine thinking Miz isn't the greatest wrestler in the world. Like, you know, yeah. those tweets that we were getting like every single like, imagine thinking Miz still sucks things or whatever. And like, he never sucks. And we were saying at the time, no, he's been good for a while. But yeah. those tweets are going away. Like now the 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 legion of people falling over themselves to call Miz the greatest wrestler in the world. Eh, they're a little quieter these last few months. So this feud will do it. I mean, I just, you know, I, and I'm not defending, I'm not defending Ambrose or I'm, I, both of them. It's just a fucking black hole of, of every, it's just a complete absolute clusterfuck. Just absolutely terrible. Joe, before we move on here real quick. Yeah. We'd like to do this game here. Uh, can you tell me Curtis Axel's first, maybe start first his year from his first WWE. So this is FCW. So we're going all the way back to FCW when Curtis Axel joined the company. I want the year and then we're going to try to go over the guys. Well, you first- gave me, you gave me FCW. So that's kind of a clue. Um, 2009. Uh, it's actually 2008. Mm. So we got actually almost the, oh, oh, Joe, a, literally this exact day, July 12th, 2008. He's been in the company almost 10 years. <laughs> Not hard to believe. That's, 
This is this is going to be a good one though. This is these are always now, great. Okay. Much like now, now listen before you do that though. <laughs> much like Tamina would or, and much like Bo Dallas, would any of them be around if it wasn't for, you know, their family histories? Nope. The yeah. answer is obviously no, right? I mean, what do they bring to the table? Nothing. They bring absolutely nothing to the table. There's how many people? I mean, it would it be how many hundreds could you come up with? who would bring more to upside to the table to this company who are unsigned right now than Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas and Tamina. You can hire hundreds of people, right? And that's not hyperbole. Do you think that's hyperbole? Or no, no, not at all. No, I mean, I could, I, I could empty out the rosters of evolve, empty out everybody who works for AW. I mean, yeah, I, I can empty out the rosters. of everybody. They would all have more upside. AIW, than- like I'm telling you, like I can go to every minor to major indie in the company and, and, and pour all those guys out. And still, yeah, guys and girls out, and and still, yeah, we'd probably hundreds of pieces of talent yeah. that would have more upside than these three people. You know, it just it just pays the to have the right father, right? I mean, it's crazy. But anyway, who was this his first good. FCW? <laughs> this, is, this is incredible. I love doing this too. All right, uh, the tag match. So him and this man won the FCW Florida Tag Team Titles in their first match, their debut. Really? Yep. Um, Mike DiBiase. No, no, believe it or not, no. Good guess, right? Not bad at all. Who was it? I'll give you his his tag team partner, and I'll see if you can get the uh, the other team. So his tag team partner was Gabe Tuft. Oh wow, that's Tyler Rex. That is Tyler Rex, indeed. So him and Tyler Rex in their first ever match. In their first ever match, or or at least. Match. Yeah, I don't know about old Gabe Tuft at the time. <laughs> the- what, was, what, was, what was Curtis Axel's ring name? Kurt, uh, uh, Joe Henning? I had to go with Joe Henning until he was, you know, until they put him on the main roster and made him Michael McGillicuddy or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Beulah, Beulah's long lost brother, right. right? Gabe Tuft. Remember those old FCW? People can bitch and moan whatever they want about NXT and development or whatever. FCW, Jesus fucking, like those, pic- remember the pictures too? Like that used yeah. to be the best thread on the FCW boards. It was yeah. like the pictures that these assholes would take and then their names were just the worst. Gabe Tuft? That's his name though, Rich. I know, but <laughs> give him a different name. <laughs> You know, Tyler Rex eventually debuted on WWE CW, which is now on the network. Uh, and then uh, as a as a surfer, I believe, right? Wasn't he like a – he was a surfer. Yeah, dude. yeah. I, I was never sure if he was a guy that gets high. Like I wasn't quite sure what the – I mean, he could be both. He was just – you know what he was, Rich? I'll tell you what his gimmick was. He was a cool dude. That's yeah. what he was. <laughs> he just looked like a guy that sold pot to like 19-year-olds. That's all I thought that Tyler Rex's character was. And he like, smoked it. Out of a bong made out of an empty Mountain Dew container, right? And he like he's like uh, he like he hung out way too long with the like he'd go and and give the kids a weed and they'd be like, all right, thanks, and he'd be like, ah, what's up? So like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, all right, cool, like you can you can go now, like you know, it was you're right. His gimmick was Gabe Tuft, guy across the hall who sells weed in your apartment building. That's what he was, right? Like never leave the, the apartment, weed from him, and then you didn't want to see him anymore. But he would like hang out after he sold you the weed, and you're like, all right. Like, Right, like, hey, and you kind of feel obligated. Right, right? you're like, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll smoke a little with you here. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like, oh, okay, he's cool. a cool guy on the surface, but you know he's kind of lonely, like that kind of guy. Right, yeah, and you're like, yeah, you try to like have it, like, hey, how's it going? Like, oh, nothing. okay, all right. <laughs> like, yeah, so Gabe Tuft, weed guy, right? <laughs> yeah, Gabe Tuft, guy across the hall from you that sells weed. <laughs> like, right. All right. Who you who you suspect who you suspect that your girlfriend might have a crush on, and it kind of bothers you. 
Right, because like he's a bum. Like I, I'm out there working my ass off trying to get this right. degree. You know, I'm out here working while I'm going to school. Right, fucking slacker. But but you know, at, at, at that age, it's like the, the the reclamation project. That's the big thing. And they he only showers it. like twice a week. Right, like like, like yeah, he's he's. But people love the reclamation project. It's like, why do you want to bang this guy? I can't wrap my head around why you want to bang. Obviously, smells. We know we've seen him, and he smells terrible. But you know, yeah, he smells like patchouli at all times, and he never showers. But there's something about him. He's smooth. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got that little look in his eye, and you know your girlfriend kind of has a crush on him. You know, like you don't think she'd act on it, but it still bothers you that she thinks like every now and then when. She's flicking the bean that she thinks about him. That bothers you. Yeah, like the nurses weigh into like uh, Jared Leto and like James Franco, and I'm like, those guys are like Franco's fine. Like, but you know, I mean, those like they're kind of like the semi bummy dudes or whatever. And I'm like, what do you? No, come on. Because like, again, like you, your theory of like those guys are not like me at all. So like something's not right. So why do you like them? Right. <laughs> like, I'm the exact opposite of Jared Leto. Like in yes. every way, shape, or form. So what? 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 What are, what are we actually going for here? Like. Right. So then you get a little concerned, right? Right. I'm like, well, okay. You can't like him and me. Like, right? That, that seems a little strange, but you know, that's all right. right. So, they, so when they, she's playing, so when she's playing <laughs> DJ Michelle, when she's having some alone time, right? Like, I, I feel like it's not about me. Jared Leto, yeah, and you're like, James I'm not Franco, happy yeah. about this. It's like yeah. a, a non shower James Franco and not me. So, yeah, you know. All right. <laughs> now that we've talked about your wife masturbating, <laughs> she'll, she'll never listen to this part. Though, hopefully, not. only on this show, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Only I have the kind of charisma to get away with that too. Right, sure. If this yeah. was anybody else, you'd be like, "What the fuck, dude?" Yeah, she's like, "That's really my yeah. wife fucking right. masturbating." But you know, <laughs> I could pull that off. You know, you know, I mean, well, all right. What do we got? So, Gabe Tuft and Joe Hedding—they defeated the Empire. Do you remember who the Empire was? Oh shit, I don't. All right, one of them was Drew McIntyre. Okay, and the other—do do you venture a guess? Tell me, Stu Sanders. Oh, Wade Barrett. <laughs> so his first match, think about these names. It was Tyler Rex and Michael McGillicuddy slash Joe Henning slash Curtis <laughs> Axel defeating Drew McIntyre and Wade Barrett. Bad News Barrett. Man, you know, this is the kind of shit we need on the network. Yeah, and somehow they did. Okay, so then like two months later, they didn't have the titles anymore. But they fought for the titles. It was Heath Miller, who I think is, that's Heath Slater, right? Yes. Against Gavin Spears and Nick Nemeth. Oh, so <laughs> little Ty Dillinger, right? yeah. and uh, Nick Nemeth. That's Nick Nemeth is. Like, I don't want, I don't want is that guys to lose their job. I don't want guys to lose their job. But maybe you want to like maybe like, like a lot of these guys are still kind of hanging around. Yeah, I mean, and not a lot doing of them, anything. And even the ones that are gone are recently gone, right? Or they come back, like Drew McIntyre. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like so Bad News Barrett just now. I mean, just like you know, six months ago, seven months ago, or whatever, gone. Tyler Rex, right. Tyler Rex, a little longer than that, but. Uh, Oh, that's true. There you go. That's remember. Remember when Tyler Rex decided on Twitter that he was going to be a big time shooter, and once a week he was going to he was going to shoot on somebody in I WWE. Don't remember that actually. And yeah, and you better follow me because I'm just I'm just going to shoot pew pew right. And he told all these stories about how John Cena was selfish, and um, he didn't like how uh, uh, Tyler Rex was doing the uh, the uh, uh, the burning hammer because it was too close to the to the to the fucking what's Cena call his fireman's carry takeover gimmick the uh, yeah AA the attitude adjustment yeah he's like he said Cena <laughs> gave you can't get that how do you not know that I don't know moves man everyone knows I don't know moves <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know? I remember on uh on you've Twitter, seen that move a thousand times in your life I promise yeah you know the Nagata lock right yeah like, um 
I on Twitter, like, you know, I'm terrible at moves on Twitter. I was like in the moment, like, of course you can Google it, but you know, sometimes you're just watching a show and you just, you know, so I was like, what does Nagata call that arm bar that he does? And you know, the whole pearl elitist <laughs> end of Twitter got all over me because they were like, oh my God, he doesn't even know the Nagata lock. Oh my God. I don't know the names of any fucking moves. I know all the moves. If I see them, you know what I mean? I know what the key spots are, but like, you know, I, I, yeah, like I couldn't remember the name of the AA. What do you want? The fireman's carry gimmick. You knew what I was talking about. It made sense to you. I forgot anyway. how Rex is a big yoked up man these days. Yeah, so you remember when giant, he was doing yeah. like remember when he was doing a really lame burning hammer on superstars? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, right, right, right. 2011 superstars. Again, we need that on the fucking network, and we're never gonna get it. But he was doing like this really lame version, this really lame, super safe version of the burning hammer. Because we all know if you're gonna do burning hammers, I want to see broken necks. I want to see guys get dropped on their fucking head. But he was, you know, he claims that John Cena approached him in the back and gave him shit because it was too There's much a like zero percent chance that ever happened because <laughs> John Cena was not watching superstars. I have no idea. But then he was like, look, I'm, you come back to my Twitter feed once a week and I'm doing it. in cool guy gave tough voice, right? You yeah. come back to my Twitter. I don't know if he talks like this. Probably not. Um, you come back to my Twitter once a week and I'm going to shoot pew pew. And I'm going to tell you all kinds of stories from the back. Right. And then he never delivered any more stories. That's the only story he had. <laughs> it was very disappointing because I followed him on Twitter and I was like, yeah, Gabe Tuft is going to shoot. Right. But you had eight yeah. months of Gabe Tuft updates on Twitter. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, was all this guy for? Yeah. Tuft, like taking pictures of his dinner, fucking showing his gym photos, <laughs> you know, uh, talking about the acting work he was getting. Like, I don't care about that. I want you to shoot on fucking Randy Orton, you know, but he never did. All he told was that stupid John Cena story. Ambulance match. Okay, so here's the thing with the ambulance match, okay? I fucking love the match. Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns have great chemistry. They beat the living shit out of each other. They have these intense, hard-fought, old-school brawls. They fucking throw stares at each other. The shit is awesome. And then that fucking finish. And I just can't. First of all, the ambulance match is a terrible stipulation. Then we got Roman trying to kill a man. And I just can't buy into it, dude. I'm sorry. It's just not my fucking scene. I cannot buy the cartoon storylines. I cannot buy Strowman being released from the ambulance and limping away going, leave me alone, man. Don't touch me. I just can't fucking get into it, Rich. I can't get into it. And it killed what was a very intense match. These guys always have good matches. I love the matches that these guys have. I don't like the cartoon bullshit as Cedric Alexander is maiming Noam Dora's arm. This yes, is a good I was going to say, you need to watch, go back, go back and watch that match. I, I wasn't watch. sure if you've seen it yet, so I don't want to, well, yeah, okay. It, it's actually really good. And, and, and Dar does a good job in it as well. So this is the best Noam Dar match I've seen in this company. It's not, and you'll, you'll like the post match too. So this it, it's, a, yeah, that was just, a great yeah, finish. Was, Holy shit. Okay. I'm glad you saw, I'm glad you're watching that. And, the commentary does a good job with it too. It's, it's a, it, you should definitely watch it with all your attention. If you uh, yeah, you know what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna go back and watch this match. It's worth it. It's really good. Yeah, I didn't want to spoil this anything week? for you. Am, am I caught up now? Uh, yeah, that was this week's. Episode, oh, cool. So, all right, I'm yeah. done with Two Five Live. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm catching up to everything, man. We just got Pearl that we got to get left, <laughs> but we're working on it. Oh, we, we talked about it. Main event. I'm not gonna rewatch main event. Oh. I do watch all the uh, Mascara Dorada matches on main event. What's his name? I'm Metallic. I didn't know he's still alive. That's that's good. I didn't know he was still alive. That's that's good enough. Still kicking. All right. Uh, my thoughts on the ambulance match. Um, same thing. Uh, pretty much the same 
ideas you like the match itself i love there was a nice little struggle to it at all it felt it it felt like the entire time was just this intense battle between two monsters you know what i mean like the entire time nothing felt smooth and i'm gonna say that the main event was kind of similar as well we'll get to that i hear in a sec but nothing felt smooth nothing felt like it was easy for any of these guys and they again they have really great chemistry and all that sort of stuff but the, everyone's talking about unfortunately you know roman reigns driving the ambulance into a wall and doing all that sort of stuff and and here's my thoughts on that I hate it. I think it's stupid as hell. I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't care, whatever. But at the same time, and I want to know if you think this is fair, I can admit that in in what they were trying to do, it was good. Does that make sense? I fucking can't stand it. And I think it's stupid and I don't want it in my wrestling. But for people that do want it, I imagine they came away going, oh my God, that was awesome. Yeah, that's fine, but I don't want that shit. I'm right with you. Yeah, so if if we're talking about you and I and what we want and and as our, you know, ideas and our tastes and all that sort of stuff, no, it it was absolute garbage for me. And it was a complete antithesis of what I want in wrestling, which is a bunch of guys, you know, watching a backstage thing and a guy going, and grunting and everyone going, oh, my God. And then, you know, the announcers doing the, the, you know, the somber voices. Oh, my God, what do we just see there? What do we, you know, that stuff, fuck that. I don't need any of that. That's stupid. I don't want it. I don't like it. It's hokey and, and it took way too long and, but I can admit, though, that I understand why they do it. And again, it's one of these things that we talk about with WWE all the time where it's like, ah, I hate it, but I, I, I know that it's always going to be a thing in this company. Vince McMahon loves his fucking cars. If you go back in history yep. and look at car angles, I mean, there's one, there, in the Attitude Era, there was once every three months or whatever, where there was somebody getting run over by a car. Somebody God, it was almost car. every week on Raw, where they're blowing up yeah. a car, running a car, crushing <laughs> a car. Like Vince and, and Vince Russo loved car angles car everything like punching hands through windshields whatever right yeah yeah bret hart you know when he came back i had to get run over by a car or whatever which is the mark thing. henry lifting cars <laughs> right he loves car angles like you could do an entire doc there could be a WWE documentary about car angles and it would more Strike than force two hours. in cars right right i mean you, you could easily spend two hours just talking about car angles but so to me I, I think they're stupid it doesn't but i fully admit that that's what they do that's something they like to do it's a it's an angle that i'm sure they're gonna love to play up and 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 it, but for me i don't want it i don't like it and it, it hurt the match for me because at the end of the day the match was really good but it was impossible to remember oh my god how what a great match that was you know wow they they made the ambulance gimmick which is pretty stupid they made it a really awesome match everybody's talking about the 20 minutes afterwards that big angle or whatever and that to me really undermines the match and 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 for me i don't like that i don't want that I don't. It does nothing for me. It didn't make me go. Oh my god! I, I what a story! Or oh my god! I hope Roman. I hope Roman Strowman's okay. Like I, I didn't have the suspension of disbelief, and I didn't have this. Oh wow! They're really doing a great job of, of building this up. And and the things that I'm seeing as well, and and it's another funny thing as well. And people kind of working themselves into a shoot is the idea that oh well now Roman Reigns is definitely a heel. Like he did this, and it's like, and people were getting on me about this too. And I was like, he's been a dickhead for a year and a half. He's been a dickhead for three years. This idea that oh this now he's a heel. And, and I'm bringing up, you know, different things where, yeah, you know, I, I mentioned the, the cake. The, the, we like to joke about it all the time. People got up. Oh, well, if a dick heel and manslaughter is different than throwing someone in a cake. Yeah, but they're both being a dickhead at the end of the day. When we break it down to him being a heel, him running out to Rusev, calling, saying he's got a small dick and then throwing him in a cake for no fucking reason while these two, you know, beautiful people are just trying to get married. That's, you know, at the end of the day, deep down, that's a heel maneuver, whether it's on the same level of trying to kill somebody in a car or whatever. No, it's, it, it's obviously not. But at the same day, that was, that's what they were doing. But heal like this idea that doing evil things makes people heals. I don't know what generation these people are living in, but it's not Vince McMahon's WWE generation. It's I not the last that, 20 years. I, I like the fact that the top program with the four guys, Brock and uh, Joe included, th- there's blurred lines here. 
with the heels and faces. I do enjoy that aspect. Of well, it. and that's what it's always going to be. And that's what I'm trying to tell people are like, Oh, this is a full on heel turn for Roman. No, it's not. No, it's not it was a, not, not a, a face turn for Braun Strowman. It's not a heel turn for Roman Reigns. All of those guys are shades of gray. Yeah. Vince, that's how he does his guys now. Well, that, well listen, that. I've been calling for that for a long time because I think in real life, we're all shades of gray, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I know that's kind of, you know, maybe going a little deep uh, philosophically, but I mean, I I like the idea that these four guys are shades of gray. What is Samoa Joe? I mean, yeah, he's leaning heel. Brock is leaning face, but there's heel elements between, you know, with him and Paul and same thing with these two guys. And I do kind of dig that. Um, The only thing it's like, they're going to cheer and root for. And that's the thing. If they're going to do that anyway, and you can't control the audience like you used to, well, right. then basically just lay out these characters and let if, if half let the crowd thinks Braun Strowman's awesome, they'll cheer for Braun Strowman. If half the crowd thinks Roman Reigns is awesome, they'll cheer for Roman Reigns. If there's a segment of the audience that thinks Samoa Joe is justified, they'll cheer for him. If there's a segment of the – like that's it, – it, 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 don't start – I, I love it. Like just like you're saying, don't fight the audience. Just say, all right, well, whatever. Here's the characters. Decide what you want out of them. Right. And there you go. Like, And that's what this is. So people go on this grandiose, oh, I love the angle because it finally turned Roman heel and, and Braun's now this uber baby face or whatever. Roman's going to come back, you know, in two weeks and people are going to say the same thing about, oh, it's, this is his yard and this is, oh, and he shows that it was his yard. You know what I mean? Like th- th- nothing is going to change. The narrative around him is not changing. This is just the new, what these guys are, what the top guys are in this company now. Yeah. But good match, stupid thing, but I get why they did it. Yeah. I look, I, yeah, you know, I saw the argument, you know, something for everyone. I get it. I, doesn't mean I have to sit there and praise it. I, I thought it was silly. No, I yeah, think something for everyone is right, but I don't. We, exactly, we don't have to come on here and go, "Oh, it was great because it's something for everybody." We can say, "I wouldn't like it." <laughs> when that's what we do on the show. If you and I don't like it, we don't like it. We don't really, you know, try to. I, you know, I don't it. want to see Hideki Suzuki throw Daisuke Sakamoto in an ambulance and try to kill him. I mean, <laughs> I, it just, I don't know. Hold on a minute. Hold on. What's going on? I, it's <laughs> not what I want. My recipe. You know, I just you know, so it's not for me. <laughs> Hold on. So it's Hideki Suzuki. What's up? A car? Uh, what, what, is it ambulance? Maybe they should have an ambulance match and try to kill each other. At Daisuke Sakamoto. Maybe it'll work at DDT, right? They can yeah. do DDT. Maybe Trans Trans Am Hiroshi can fucking. Throw oh, put him in Trans Am. Yes. This now I'm in. Okay. Something for everybody for sure. No, that's that's yeah, that's that's our thoughts on this. Main event though, I think. Oh, excuse me, sir. You're missing a match. Oh God! I remember. I forgot this existed. How can you forget about oh, my main man, Kurt Hawkins? Kurt Hawkins. How can you forget? Facing the facts. You're right. I, I uh... face facts. We got to face facts and talk about the semi-main event of this show, my friend. <laughs> Are you denying that this was the semi-main event? No, it was undeniably the semi-main event. Yeah. Okay. And it was time for Heath Slater to face the facts. He won. He Slater won. I know it didn't work out that way. Hit him with the hit but him with Heath the almost had the destroyer. Facts. Hey, I was what confused watching this. What is spot, by the way? Isn't Heath Slater a SmackDown superstar? I think so. Get, I don't know. Who the fuck cares? What's happening here? Did he get moved over him and Rhino? I think they did, right? Did they? I don't know. I don't care. Because I think <laughs> that uh Oh, he is Robert. This, he is I've been on my sabbatical. They are raw now, yeah, because I think Rhino was involved in a lot of the Brock Joe pull aparts, and I was confused then too. I'm like, wait a minute, he's a SmackDown superstar. This isn't right. But now I think that <laughs> Slater and Rhino were moved over. So uh, along That's with true. Kurt Hawkins, you know, Kurt Hawkins was a SmackDown superstar first, but then he had to face the facts when he ended up on Raw on uh, 
superstar. What they call it? Trade deadline superstar. No, shake-up. the uh, the superstar shakeup. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So uh, Not the draft. It wasn't a draft. It was a superstar. No shake-up. draft this year. No draft this year. It was a superstar shakeup, and both of these men moved over from the SmackDown brand. And look at that. It worked out for them. They're semi-main event and pay-per-views, right? Semi-main event. Able to do whatever spots they want. Kurt Hawkins had a hot team a, feud with Seth Rollins. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, this, I mean, not enough people are talking about this. I mean, in two minutes, Heath Slater. I like the idea of the standby match, right? Like WCW used to do that in the early 90s. I feel like you're trying to wrangle your dogs right now. I am trying to wrangle the dogs, yes. And the I wife. knew it. I felt it. <laughs> Joe could feel it. Do you want to close the door and leave the dogs in, or do you want no, to? No, that's what I'm asking. What's better? Let's, uh, you know what? Just open. keep the door open. Keep the door open. Don't tell her I talked about her masturbating. (laughs) Bye. Bye, Michelle. Keeping spice. See, she doesn't know. Good. What do I not know? See ya. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Joe says hi. Yeah, I'm saying hello. You talk so fucking loud. You talk so much. I can hear you through my headphones. (laughs) Um, Where were we? The the main event. The semi-main. No, I wanted to talk about it. Not enough people talking about two minutes. Oh, yeah. You have more Heath to say Slater. about this. Well, yeah, right, Heath Slater. I mean, it, 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 just a monumental moment of Heath Slater hitting that Canadian destroyer off the top rope through those tables to get the finish. A little too much for a match with two minutes. I must minutes, have missed that. But, you know. I must have missed that. Yeah, well, Kurt had to tell – because they, they cut away from it, so Kurt had to tell people that's how it fit. Yeah, you know, that was that the was, finish, Nobody huh? saw it, but that's what he did. And it was an, just a monumental moment in wrestling. Like, that, that – Kurt Hawkins was willing to take that spot through a table that was on fire is just amazing. And – well, Kurt Hawkins is a true professional. I, so, you know, he said, you know, whether people see it or not, I want you to do this move to me. Much like El Dandy. He's a true professional. Exactly right. So, there. there's, you know, I believe it. Yeah, so that's um, just incredible. Yeah, not enough people giving praise to that match in two minutes, uh, what they were able to do. Uh, the amount of spots they were able to fill in those two minutes as well. It just did not get enough love. But uh, I, Listen, I like Kurt Hawkins as a job guy. I do. You know, I, I wouldn't push him, but uh, I have no problem with him as a job guy. I think he's entertaining at least. No comment. No, it's a main event. I strong. I have no. I have no strong Kurt Hawkins takes for you. He's I, creating I, pros out on Long Island. Okay. Yes. Yeah. MJF's going to be a big star. You watch. You main watch. event, Joe. Brock Lesnar. I'm telling you, people in the know. I'm talking about Kurt Hawkins. Keep an eye on that guy. I'm, I'm Kurt Hawkins. You. No, MJF. Oh. Oh, you just said create, creating pros over there, and then you didn't yeah. explain who well, that's, was talking that's about. That's a star student. Guy's going to be a star. Star man is who you're talking about. No, MJF. Oh. <laughs> Try to keep up. That guy's going to be a star. I'm telling you. MJF is star man? I have a feeling you're fucking with me, Rich. I am, yes. And I you, did get me the fir- you got me the first couple times. I just want you to get to this main event. So if I troll you on this creative right, pro point you're trying to make. To the main event. <laughs> no, if you have an MJF, what, what's your hot MJF to take? I already told you he's going to be a star. Everyone okay. in the know agrees. Maxwell Jacob Feinstein is who we're talking about here. He is pretty good. He is pretty solid. So. Oh, you've seen him. I have, yeah. He was. Uh, he did an Evolve shot, didn't he? He did do an Evolve shot. The, yeah, uh, I remember Brooklyn, that, yeah. I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, was it Evolve? No. No, 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 no. Was it, it FIT? Was, it was an Evolve slash uh, whoever they were co-promoting with. He was on the pre- the, the, the other sh- – you know what I'm talking about? Mm, I okay. times, and the, fir- the first hour was the other company. I don't what think he technically show? worked Evolve is what I'm saying. 
Right, I forgot what that show. Yeah, okay, but I, I did see him. So I, I saw him on the Flow Slam. I know for a fact. Yeah, he's right. been making noise in CZW. Um, he's related to uh, the other Feinstein, which is why he calls himself Maxwell Jacob Friedman. <laughs> right, yes, to get away from. You want to get away from the other Feinstein? Uh, no, but um, you know, Pat Buck tells people it's he's the the best prospect he's ever trained, and uh, everybody on everybody in the Northeast says this guy is a surefire star. He's already making waves. I think he's only a year or two in. So trained by the hands of Pat Buck and the creative pro himself, Kurt Hawkins. So there you go. That's my hot take. There we go. That's good. I'm glad we got that in. Uh, now can we talk about Brock Lesnar and Samojo? Two hours sure into can. the show. <laughs> I sure can. Brock I think we're going to miss Slammiversary again. No, no, we're going to get We're going to get Slammiversary. Okay. Are we really two hours in? We're not two hours in. No, we're you about two hours. Here. No, we're, we're we're a little less than that, but we're close. Okay. Our uh, Larry Sweeney and, and Bo Dell, oh, no, our uh, Curtis Axel aside, and our Chuck. We spent thirty minutes talking about Chuck Berry pooping people. So I mean, just, pooped it's on, a high so. energy show, man. I'm no, I agree. It. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's a good show. I just mean that that's why we're we're running a little low on time. Got to get some anniversary in this. Week. Like we've been talking about great balls of fire for two hours. We've been, you know. Yeah. Because you know G one's gonna come, and we're out of time for shit. So we got to get anniversary mm-hmm. in this week. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go. You're wasting time, man. I'm waiting always, for you, buddy. You're always diverting the show, Rich. And I never, never. You can't just keep things going on the. You got. I'm looking up. at this run sheet. I'm, I'm timing this thing out. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in gorilla trying to get this thing going. Like, no, it's Brock Lesnar defeating Samoa Joe. Um, were you disappointed by the length of the match being six minutes twenty five seconds, or are you okay with that? Because I, I am 100 okay with it. Yeah, I love the match, so I don't, I don't care how long it was. I thought that. Uh, Look, these Brock Lesnar matches, I say it every week, they feel different. And this one felt different. And this felt like these two guys were going in there to fight. And um, I enjoyed every second of it. And uh, I thought Brock was turning all sorts of new colors, which I... I, I he, had a new gonna, shade. he had a very new shade this year. Uh, this he's going to die in the ring. I'm worried. Yes, we are going to be... Yeah, he, he will absolutely die in the ring. No doubt. I feel like this man, his health is in trouble. Um, I feel like he's just going to... I feel like it's gonna. He's just going to explode in the ring. Like his body, his skin is just gonna explode, and it's gonna be a lump of flesh and guts in the. He's just gonna explode in the ring. There's something wrong with this man. Um, he did not turn these colors in UFC. It's it's for some reason this guy gets in a wrestling ring. I don't know what I I can't even. Dis- was he mauve? What color was he? I don't know what this was. Yeah, this was an odd. Like he was, he was a, a more red than the title belt, which has a red strap, which was just like, and it wasn't even like fully red. It was this weird blend of because he, he, there's times where he's turned purple and then he's turned like really beet red or whatever. The beet red is is okay, whatever. I mean that happens with guys, but then this is weird purple that he adds in, and then then I have no clue. And then this this on Great Balls of Fire, I don't know what the hell color he was. He was um yeah I'm not familiar with my Crayola colors. Um I don't know if mauve would be the correct. Look up what a mauve is again. I don't remember the mauve in a while. No, he was darker than mauve. That's like a mauve's like a pale purple. He was like a a bright purple red. He was just a weird color that a human shouldn't be. Fuchsia? Uh, no, I don't know if fuchsia maybe. But it was an intense. Look, the match was intense, and uh, it was fought in a very realistic style. I think Joe is perfect for that. Obviously, Brock as well, and. um I don't think Joe lost much of anything from it. I think my biggest fear was uh, Brock mowing through Joe and Joe sliding down the card, but it doesn't look like they're doing that. Um, man, I got the hiccups. It doesn't look like they're doing that. It looks like Joe's going to stay near the top of the card and they're going to do a four-way, the old uh, four-way, Rich. Four-ways are always tricky. 
Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that alone. Wait, that's another side that we're gonna get. I don't want to even get. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I could go on a rant there, but uh, um, you know, but no. The good thing is that it looks like they're gonna keep Joe in the mix, and I think he deserves it. I think he earned it, and I think he deserved it. And I'm not sure that was the plan when they decided to go into this program. Mm-hmm. No. And, and I totally agree about the length of the match and all that sort of stuff. I saw, I saw complaints about it and I was just like, you, you, you just, I, to me, they, they just, they, these matches should not be 15 minute back and forth type of things or whatever. This was, and I love what I love about this match too. And, and why I thought Samoa Joe looked great in it too, is because it kicks off and Samoa Joe realizes, look, I can't play the long game with this guy. This guy's probably going to beat me if I, so Amelia at the bell, he's beating him up. He was just going like crazy, throwing him through a table. Joe knows he's got about three minutes in here until, Brock's just going to go nuts and Brock's going to beat him or whatever. And that's exactly how it played out. Joe went nuts for four minutes, did everything he could, tried to lock him into his finisher. And, you know, he does all that. It just doesn't work. And then Brock just hits him with the F5 and it's over. And that's, you know, that's that's all it needs to be. Like, yeah, maybe it was a little flat because it was just a single F5 or whatever. But I think that puts over the move and puts over Brock a little bit in the same sense that, look, it wasn't like Samoa Joe was weak. It's just that Brock's a fucking man, a monster. And, like, there's only a certain amount of, people that can even can hang with the guy and even if when, if you do hang with them you got to do it quick or else he's just gonna hit that f5 on you and you're done and that's that's fine with me i don't care about that i don't think samoa joe loses anything by that and the match itself it's not meant to be a the way that we think a pro wrestling match is supposed to be it's very similar and i think if, if people went back and watched a little bit more um i know like i, I you probably can know the maybe recall the exact matches or whatever but i going back and watching on new japan world and a lot of the other things like the 90s new japan main event style of matches a lot of those hashimoto matches or whatever would not be these long epics like we think that they you know like nowadays in new japan it's like hey this main event's gonna be 30 40 minutes gonna be back and forth or whatever sometimes hashimoto would go in there and just beat a dude in like eight minutes or whatever and it felt weird and it looked odd and it was like he was just kind of strong and arming the guy and throwing hip tosses and fucking this guy up or whatever but that was it was cool it had a nice little aura about it and it felt different Anytime that guy got in the ring and, and anytime that guy was in a main event against somebody, some people might not have liked it and might, people might have wanted the All Japan epic or whatever because like, right. people got very used to that. But there was a different style there and, and Hashimoto presented that different sort of style. And, and I think that's how Brock definitely is. It's like, look, if you want to go in there and get a 20-minute back and forth match, you're not going to get it. And if that's going to make you upset or whatever, similar to how I don't like the ambulance match and I don't like all that bullshit at the end or whatever – if you go into a Brock match thinking, oh, well, this is what I want, and I didn't get that, like, you're not going to get that. You're going to get this match. This is what Brock Lesnar matches are. They're, they're struggles. They're fights. They're, there was nothing that was easy. In the, you know what I mean? Like, this match wasn't a, oh, you do this, and I'll do this, and there's back and forth. At no point did these guys wrestle. It was just a fight for six minutes, and Brock just came on the better end of it. This program and this match is exactly what I want out of my wrestling, and it's the mm-hmm. antithesis of the ambulance nonsense. This is what I want. Um I, I enjoy I like I like that New Japan comparison, you know, because the New Japan main event style now, and I've always said this, is a combination of the old King's Road style mm-hmm. uh and, and and the modern WWE style main events. I really think it's a combination of the two. Um, where it's signature move based, epic based hot closing stretches. It really is a melding. Yeah. Of the- and I think that a lot of that comes from uh, uh, Laurinaitis and, and Johnny Ace. Cause we remember once he came sure. into the company, he was like, Hey, look, here's, here's what we did in all Japan. And it worked really well. And yeah. that's when we saw the rock and Austin throwing, you know, 15 finishers at each other or whatever. And that kind of became their house style after 2011 and or 2001 rather. And, and, and really, really it's this, it's the WWE main event style outside of Brock. It's the WWE main event style to this day. I mean, a John Cena main event follows that pattern. And I really think the new Japan main event style of today is a melding of the Kings, 
Road, classic All Japan Kings Road style main events and yeah. the modern WWE main events. But the main events, yeah, the New Japan era you're talking about was more strike based. And what feels like when you watch them in those matches in hindsight, they're more like they feel like flash finishes sometimes, right? Where you're like, wait a minute, how? How is because watching well, it? I'll 20, sit down. Like I'll sit down and be like, all right, here we go. Like Hase maybe matches blah, blah, blah. you haven't seen, right? Because yeah, you're, yeah. you're watching them matches that you're going back to watch history because you you know weren't watching Pearl in 1997, obviously, you know, and it's like. To you, they probably feel like flash finishes in real time, maybe not so much, but that was the difference between New Japan and All Japan at that time. Well, yeah, because uh, I'll sit down and I'll be like, all right, here we go. Because when, when I sit down and watch a, a big-time All Japan match, I know, okay, it's going to be about 20 minutes or whatever, get all ready, get all set or whatever. So I'll put that New Japan match on and, like, you know, go, you know, run and get something to drink and come back. And I'm like, oh, shit, what the hell happened? Like, I look and, right. you know, there's a guy in the ring laying in the corner. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I go back and watch. And it's like, yeah, it, it was all about, like, the flash finish. Like, you weren't going to get the guy hitting six finishers and that's he definitively won after he did that sometimes you know a guy would just go in there and and, and hit a big strike and, and that was it right and a was, big yeah. strike would be a major turning point and and lead to a right, right. and a finish or whatever the case um you know whereas the all japan style was very much different and very much closer to what we see in new japan today or even wwe for that matter um it's that that all japan king's road style main event ultimately won out right i mean you know in terms of moving forward in wrestling culturally there, you know, big time main event style in most companies more replicate that than they do the old new Japan strong style. Um, and you're right. These Brock matches are closer to that old new Japan strong style. You're, it's actually an excellent comparison. Um, and, and, and I enjoy them as something different. Uh, it, it Brock is like nothing else in the company. And that's why I love his title runs. I love this one. I loved his uh, previous title run. Um, and, and I, and I love when he's champion. I love the fact that he's not on TV every week. I'm a big fan of keeping the champion and keeping the title off of TV every week. I think it dilutes it when the champion is on TV every week. I'm a big fan of not having everyone. Look, I've said that for years. I don't think anyone should be on TV every single week. I think if you're involved in a hot program, yeah, you belong on TV four or five weeks in a row. I think, uh, if, if you finish up a hot program, Big star, and I know you know you're chasing ratings or whatever, but and you you but that's because you've conditioned people that people are on TV every week. Why does Roman Reigns have to be on TV every single week? Let people miss him. Yeah, well, they, they still have their brains stuck in 1998. Like they, they still have to win right. the ratings more of the night. Yeah, right. and they don't have to. I mean, you don't have to win the night. Like <laughs> win the long game. Don't worry about tonight. Yeah, I mean, keep him off TV for two or three weeks and then tout his big return. I mean, you know, it, the Miz does not have to be on TV every single. You don't have to have a Miz segment. Every single week, I've always been a big proponent of not putting everyone on TV every week. But, uh, but, and that's, you know, and that's, I like seeing Brock sparsely. I like seeing Brock defend the title, you know, once every three months and not every week, or no, I'm sorry, not every month. You know, it's, it's, it's so, I don't know. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this Brock stuff. I'm a big fan of that match style. I think Joe compliments him perfectly. Yeah. Um, and, and I like how these four guys at the top, I love the shades of gray that they're doing in terms of the, the face heel dynamics. So, uh, we all know how it ends. It's going to end with Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, uh, with Roman Reigns defeating Brock. I think that they think that'll be the big final hurdle that Roman needs to get over the top. I think that ship has sailed. Um, don't need to do that today. But um, ultimately, I believe that's how all of this shakes out with uh, Braun and Joe, um, you know, doing who knows what at that time, um, maybe pairing off against each other. Who knows? I'd like to see Braun versus Joe. I, that would be interesting to me. Um, but we'll see. Well, one way or another, I think 
Joe proved himself in this. And and I think that's a really fun thing that we come out here is, is that was my worry is that he lost and it would just be like, all right, Joe, you're back in the mid. And I was like, we talked about this last week. There's no way after what you saw he was capable of that you can just say, all right, well, go face up Rollins now in the undercard. Like, go do an opener with Seth. And we, we, we were like, hey, I don't feel like you can do it. I hope they don't do it. And they didn't. They Right on Raw, he's back in it. He's in the mix again, yeah. which is cool. Like, They're keeping him in the mix, and that's great. And he right. earned it, and he deserves it. I mean, he proved it, so. he's a top guy. Mm-hmm. He proved with this program that he is a top guy. And he, and, and, and he just brings that certain credibility to the table that almost no one else on the roster, with the exception of Brock, brings to the table. So I'm all about Joe right now. It's just a shame that he's not physically what he was, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, that would just be a, a lethal combination. You know, it's like 2006 Joe and Ring of Honor had both, right? He had that credibility and he brought uh, the amazing uh, physical ability that he had. But, you know, that was 11 years ago. And right. he's a big guy and he's done a lot of crazy bumps and uh, he's got a lot of wear and tear. It's not like he's completely shot. He's capable of having good matches. Uh, but I think his personality and the way he carries himself is really his strong suit now. And uh, it goes a long way in covering up some of the physical deficiencies that he has, but, um, but yeah, so, um, enjoyable main event, decent show. I wouldn't call it a great show or anything like that, but it was watchable. It had its moments that were bad and had plenty of moments that were pretty good. Um, and, uh, it had some memorable stuff too, for the right and wrong reasons. All right, let's do, uh, let's do Slammiversary. We, we promised the people Slammiversary, and I think we got to do it because this is a pretty good show. I actually really, really enjoyed Slammiversary, all, all told. I mean, the, the presentation I thought was good uh, from beginning to end. I thought the matches themselves, and we'll talk about them here a little bit, were all very solid. But, yeah, I, I liked it from top to bottom. A very, very enjoyable pay-per-view from, from TNA. So um, I, I really have no big complaints. No, top to bottom, this was a very – look, there's no match of the year contender here. Um, but top to bottom, this was a super enjoyable show. Uh, where even it's easy to watch too. You, I did not watch. watch. Three hours went by. It was like, oh and shit, main event time. All right, let's go. Like, all right, let's go. Cool. Yeah, it started off fun. I thought they did the right opener. Oh god, yes, my favorite match of the night. And then right, the possibly, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. But um, but yeah, and uh, you know, and and the whole thing all the way through. I think the match I enjoyed the least was probably the main event. It wasn't like it was terrible. Um, but yeah, I guess we should talk about the opener. Uh, Latin American Exchange, in this case, Ortiz and Santana, the new Latin American Exchange, with about a thousand people at ringside, Homicide, Conan, <laughs> and uh, Diamante, who was all over the place. She was all Taking over the place. Big bumps, yeah. But she blew her uh, knee out during she was one a of those. Big <laughs> factor here, you know, and um, Drago and El Hijo del Fantasma, uh, who I think is great, and uh, Laredo Kid and Garza Jr. representing the Crash promotion, and then of course Naomichi Marafuji and Taiji Ishimori from Pro Wrestling Noah who stuck around for the tapings. I think on Impact, as we record this, as we speak, I think it's Marafuji versus Moose, which I'm looking forward to. Um, so anyway, this was a four-way for the uh, tag team titles. And this was just a crazy spot fest. I mean, it got a little sloppy at times. Uh, there were a couple instances where guys were supposed to break up pins and they didn't get there, either not on time or not at all. So there was awkwardness with guys kicking out of things that they weren't supposed to kick out of. Um you know, Drago, uh, that happened to Drago once, I think. Uh, there was some, uh, you know, look, there were sloppy moments, but I think everyone got a chance to shine. There was a bunch of crazy stuff uh, with the guys involved. You knew it would be that way. Um, you know, it, it's like there were some, you know, Marafuji seemed to be, you know, when he was involved, sort of a, a level above some of these guys in terms of being where he was supposed to be and things like that. Um, but, but, you know, overall, 
Uh, they, they gave these guys plenty of time. And I'm watching this match, Rich, and I'm thinking to myself, this feels like the TNA of old. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. This is why, this is why my, my favorite match of the entire night. It yeah. Felt it felt like, it it felt like the TNA of old. Yeah. And it didn't feel like the dry end. The end of the Dixie era was so dry and boring and sterile and didn't feel like TNA anymore. This felt like the TNA of old. It was fun. There were guys flying around the ring. It was like one of those crazy X division matches, you know, from 2006 or whatever. And, um, you know, it wasn't a four star match or anything and it was a little sloppy, but it was just a lot of fucking fun. Yeah. I think that's that my, my, my big takeaway from it when it was all said and done is exactly what you said. I was like, this is fun. This is like, it's been so long since I actually enjoyed watching tna and, and really thought of it as as necessarily like yeah this is fun this is just kind of a sometimes it's it's it, there, there wasn't too much you know overbearing character work there wasn't announcers fucking around with each other and fighting and there wasn't like there, there, it just felt like yeah like it was just hey guys go out here and have a great match and it's been so long since it felt like that was the ethos of tna is like here's a bunch of guys and they're gonna have a good match you know it, there was nothing else involved in it just like hey go out there and kill it and make the crowd go nuts Right. And, and that's all that they did. And it was a great opener. Yeah. And it felt like 2004, 2006, you know, in that range of TNA, where it was just like you would get these matches all the time. Like this X Division was filled with those type of matches. Or even if it wasn't an X Division match, the other guys, they felt like there was just great workers up and down the card. And, and, and this was a great example of it. I mean, these were what? What are we talking? Eight guys here that just everybody, everybody kind of played their part. I mean, yeah, like you said, there were some guys that were maybe a step below others. Mirafuji being a little bit above guys, and Ishimori being a little bit above those guys. And I think Garza Jr. He's a guy that I really like as well. I think he he was pretty solid in this match as well. But there were some guys that were lagging behind. But yeah, other than that, it was just like guys go out there and, and 15 minutes and have a great match, and that's all it was. And it was a great opener, absolutely 100 percent the best way to open the show. And I, I think my favorite match on the entire show. Yeah, Diamante flying around, giving people flying head scissors yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and taking big bumps. I mean, she did a great job. Homicide gave the cop killer to I'm sorry, the gringo killer to mm-hmm. uh to uh, I forget who it was on the on the apron. Um so we know certain wrestling reporters are probably up in arms over that, you know, if they actually watch wrestling. And then, you know, it it, it and it was just a, every even the, the seconds got involved, you know, so it was just a lot of fun. Rich, did you know that Drago of uh, Lucha Underground fame, and I'm, I'm. Have you seen him a few times? Did he come to AEW? Uh, Dra- yeah, Drago's come a few times. Do you know he's 41 years old? No, I did not know he was 41. Did you know? And now you might. I would not guess be like 35. I would have had him at about 35. You may not be familiar with some of his past gimmicks because uh, these are from a time when I was watching. Tri- I used to watch AAA TV weekly. Believe it or not, <laughs> around 2007 ish, 2008. He was El Gato Everready. I don't know if you remember El Gato Everready. I do not remember El Gato Everready. Bill El Gato Everready, okay, was he was uh do you are you familiar with the Everready brand of batteries? With like the oh, I am, yes. with the lightning that, bolt. Hold on. Okay, this is uh, how are you gonna wrap the Drago with the Ever Ready batteries? I'm I'm very Because curious. he was El Gato Ever Ready with the fucking <laughs> and he wore like that ever ready he was like sponsored by the battery. Were they getting, were they getting paid for this? You gotta Google this shit. I, I assume uh, now the it's Cubs AAA. fan listens to this. AAA. They might not have. Yeah. Now Cubs fan listens to this show most yeah. weeks. Watch this will be the week he doesn't. Right. But uh, same thing with like Rob Viper. Like they're not weekly. Like they listen most of the time, right? But if you Google, because they'll know the answer. Oh, got to ever ready in our show description, and then they'll they'll know, they'll definitely they'll see it. pictures of him with like the cat logo of the battery, right? Like, and I just always <laughs> thought it was such a ridiculous gimmick. 
Are you looking at it? I'm looking at pictures of it. It looks yeah, it's like ridiculous. posing with the cat hands, right? Yeah. It's, it's That's Drago, dude. Oh my God. It's terrible. I had no idea that he was Elgato ever ready. This and he was on TV every week in this gimmick because I assume they had a sponsorship deal with the Ever Ready Battery Company because he was Elgato before that I think and then he became Elgato Ever Ready. You notice I'm rolling the tongue. I'm doing it proper. Yeah, you're doing a good job. Yeah, doing really good. Elgato, Elgato Ever Ready after that, but he was also I never knew this either because I was looking at his cage match weeks ago. He was a wrestler by the name of Allen. Now, <laughs> this was even worse than Elgato Ever Ready because Allen. He rolled in a crew of like, they were like these skater dudes, right? And like, it was Allen and Densis. And I can't remember the names of the other ones, but they were like these skater punks, like these skater teens, right? Another god-awful gimmick. And, and it's hard to believe that Drago, who has like the coolest gimmick in wrestling now, right? The guy's a fucking dragon who spits blood. Yeah, with the coolest mask ever, yeah. That rolls down. Like, the guy is just the coolest, and he gets booked everywhere now. And it just blew me away that this man, and I wish that you were familiar with, like, this awful era of AAA when he was Alan the Skateboard Dude and El Gato Ever Ready, two of the worst gimmicks that you'll ever see. And now he's, like, one of the coolest gimmicks around. So uh, if you ever have time, uh, Google an Allen and Densis tag match from AAA and like <laughs> and you will see you'll see how far this man has come. I mean, it is just uh, uh, ridiculous the uh, transformation that has occurred. And I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that he's actually 41 years old and a grizzled veteran of lucha who bounced from awful gimmick to awful gimmick before he finally scored with this Drago thing. And there have been other Dragos. Did you know that Dragon Lee was once known as Drago? That I didn't know. I don't know how I knew that, but but that that is something I've heard. So did you know that the awful Mexican wrestler Granda was once a dragon? I did not know. No, that I did not know. I got to tell you, this is gonna. You know, Cubs fan listens every week, and we never do. He's gonna love this conversation. He's probably gonna correct me on a million mistakes I made too. <laughs> but I think I did pretty good. I think because again, this was when I was actively following AAA on a week to week basis. So I think I've got all this shit straight. But. uh I just wanted to bring that up before we move on to the next match. Well, thank you. Thank you for that little brief. This is why the show is going to go three hours and we're not going to get to half the topics. Hey, the LAX, side. but these are good. These are some of the favorite Canada. shows that we ever do. So. Can you name all of the former LAX members? I don't think anybody can. Do you remember Machete? I don't remember Machete. He has got to be the most obscure one, right? Machete? Yeah, I don't know if I remember Machete. Let me, let me. Yeah. Who's Machete? He was just some indie dude. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember him. I'm looking at the list right now. Uh, yeah. Hernandez, of course. Apollo. I do remember Apollo. Uh, I never remember. I don't. Oh, no. I remember Hector Guerrero being their manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't remember the Salinas era, but I probably should. Yeah. The Shelly Martinez as Salinas. I remember, I remember the name, but I don't remember her ever coming out with them. That must have been a weird. Shelly Martinez. Yeah. Who, of course. If you're watching WWE CW right yes, now. Yes, yeah. Which, by the way, we have a great, great interview with the head writer of WWE CW. Gary Kidney right. brings on Dave Lagana. It's on our Voice that Wrestling is a Podcast great, Network. Let me tell you something. That is a great 45-minute interview with Garrett and Dave Lagana, and I recommend everyone listen to it. Garrett pops in every now and then with these specials, right? He had one with uh, Borash a couple weeks ago, which was a lot of fun, and Grado did a run-in. I have no idea what Grado said, but Grado did a run-in. 
And then this one with Lagana. Lagana goes through a lot of like behind the scenes history of WWE CW and has a lot of fun stories. Garrett Kidney has friends in high places, Rich. And he does a nice job with this stuff. Everyone should listen to that. I really enjoyed it. It was a really good 45. It flew by. A good 45-minute yeah. spot there. Um, D'Angelo Williams teamed with Moose and defeated Chris Adonis and Eli Drake. Rich, I know you love D'Angelo Williams here. Who didn't? This, I mean, I, I, I pose this question to you. Is this the greatest in-ring debut ever? You think of Jun Akiyama? Here's the problem. You don't see a lot of in-ring debuts, right? That's what I mean, yeah. So it's like So it's kind of a it's kind of a trick question in that sense, but is it the greatest retirement match in history? <laughs> yeah, this right. was an in-ring debut and a retirement. I wish this guy would keep wrestling. What else does he have to I, I guess he wants to get back in the NFL. I I hope that right it now. doesn't work cuz I want to see this guy <laughs> in wrestling like Someone's got to get in his ear and talk him into this because with the TNA schedule, it won't take a ton of wear and tear on his body, you know what I mean? And it wasn't just hot moves. You can teach anyone to go in there and do hot moves. This guy had good instincts. You know, I really feel like, okay, they blew the finish because he like overshot. He was such a good athlete that he overshot the table on the finish. And then I think that they called that audible. And remember, they went back in the ring to redo and put uh, Drake through the table or whoever, or Adonis. I forget who took the fall and who took the right, second Right, right. And then, they, yeah, they, they grabbed him and threw him through. The, yeah, exactly. Right. But, I mean, this guy, he just looked great. I mean, he looked natural, right? I mean, he looked as natural as you could look for a guy who was wrestling his first ever match. I mean, He's been training for, like, weeks. Like, we're not talking months. We're not talking years. Well, according to weeks. Garrett, it was three days. Yeah. Right. Was it three days or three weeks? Either way, it's super impressive. I think he said three days. Which yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's actually true, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> like just unbelievable. This guy was just a natural, and I feel bad. I mean, for burying him, I didn't really bury him the week before, but I mean, I I didn't have high hopes. I mean, I didn't think it would draw viewers. Uh, I feel bad because I said his mom would be the only one to order it. Turns out his mom is dead. Um, I didn't know, so <laughs> you can't get on wow. me. Apparently, that was a big <laughs> thing. Like his mom died of cancer or something, and he he wanted to do something with his uh, uniform, and Goodell shot it down. And oh, I didn't know well, not in the NFL. Are you kidding? I didn't know that that was a major story, so I had no yeah, idea. No. Roger Goodell? If people, if people thought I was being <laughs> like a asked about, unnecessarily about something, yeah, no. I, you, you saying, I didn't know the man's man was, mom was dead. I kind of feel bad about it now, and I didn't know it was a big story. Um, That's just a term that people throw out all the time. Like, only right. his mom's going to buy You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, we said I, I had no idea his mother was dead. Like, I mean, you know, but uh, – I, look, I'm sure she would have bought it if she was alive. So, um, but yeah, so he, he looked, guy looked great. So, and and I thought it was a fun match because of it. How could you not enjoy this? It was a shit ton of fun. Yeah, like his selling was solid. His offense was great. I mean, and we we talk about this all the time. And I, and this is probably not the episode to do it since we're kind of running a little bit low on time. Maybe we'll we'll bring it up at some other point. I don't know when we're ever going to talk about tangibles again. But when we talk about and 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 you and I have been, you know, we remember the arguments from years ago about athletes in wrestling yeah. and and yeah. and that the difference of a good athlete and a guy that's not a good athlete in wrestling oh god fucking exhibit a right here yeah this guy is a uh, an athlete a top tier athlete in three days he was able yeah. to look better than I, I i mean i don't want to throw a figure out there but but there are thousands of wrestlers who have trained for months years that couldn't sniff what this guy did in three days no because he's a great athlete Yes. Those guys can try their – they can do everything they can. They'd be the smartest wrestlers in the world, but they're, it looks different when a great athlete is in there. Oh, yeah. Being a great athlete is the best base to start. It doesn't mean you're going to be a great wrestler by any means, 
But I will take that as my base above all, mm-hmm. all else. Being a and here's where people insert people, and then we have to tell them that those guys were great athletes. Like, oh, what about Ric Flair? Like, well, he was like a, a champion. Great wrestler. <laughs> amateur wrestler. Yeah, amateur wrestler. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, because like, that always happens. Like, well, what about this guy? Like, well, he, he was great at, you know, every single but guy. Here's the thing, Rich. There's going to be exceptions to the rule. There are great pro wrestlers who weren't great athletes. Right. But majority of them that were great were, were, were great at something else besides all my point all along has always just been if I get to pick one base. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm going to pick the, the, the guy that you, the ex NFL player or whatever the ex, you know, taking that, 10 yeah. people off the street each. I'm going to take the 10 best athletes and roll the dice with them over the 10 guys who are whatever, uh, you know, study wrestling psychology and are mad. I'll take the 10 great athletes and I will come up with more great wrestlers than you will with your 10. I mean, that's yeah. the base you want. Mm-hmm. And I really don't think that's a controversial point. But somehow people turn that into a controversial point or they downplay what athleticism means to wrestling, which is silly. That's really thinking about things too hard when you downplay how important athletic ability is to wrestling. And again, you make a great point. This guy proved in three days how that is such a great base to have and how being a great athlete skips you 10 steps ahead it doesn't guarantee you're going to be great at this but it sure fucking helps and one thing that was mentioned i was talking with buddies about this as well is that you, you know you look at what d'angelo was able to do and and if this isn't a wake-up call to, to, to wrestling promoters and wrestling guys or whatever to go out there and, and, and talk to these ex-nfl guys and not necessarily the old idea was that the old linemen remember that used to be yeah, the 80s always it like, the linemen it's always the linemen and and my buddy was talking about this uh, and saying why not running backs why not wide receivers you know, right. we're in an era now where you don't need to be six foot eight and 300 pounds or whatever. There are a lot of great athletes out there, wide receivers, running backs, cornerbacks, you know, safeties, guys that aren't monsters. Safeties sound perfect, right? Yeah, like, safeties are big and they're built and they're fast and they're athletic. Six, two, 220, you yeah, know. They're not, they're not monsters, not hulking monsters, but they're in they great shape. They're lateral quickness. They can move. They're, they're probably your, among your best. Because sometimes wide receivers can get a little too skinny. And, sure. and since no safety is skinny. If they're skinny, they suck, and they're not playing in the NFL. But your safety is like – Well, if you're, well if you're a safety and you're skinny, you're a corner. Yeah. So, or you're yeah. Adam Archuleta and you're getting blown by. Right. Time. He was good for his time, but, you know, I don't want to – I don't want to be smirch Rams legend there Adam Archuleta. Well, Adam Archuleta was a certain kind of – he was a different kind. Yeah, he was the cover two. He was the cover two guy. Yeah, he was a cover two cool. guy, and in Arizona State, he was kind of a hybrid linebacker. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> but, yeah. Exactly. But, no, yeah, go to the safeties. Go to the running backs. Those sort of guys – like, think about these other positions because everybody has get linemen in their head, and maybe it's not linemen anymore. That was the 80s. Maybe go out there and try to talk to some of these old safeties. Talk to these – because if this isn't an idea that, holy shit, these guys are some nice raw parts to start with. Like we don't have to teach them the, the conditioning and the and this sort of thing. We just got to teach them the in ring, right? That's half the battle already done there. The athleticism. Is, is, yeah, these guys are going to be able to bounce off the ropes and do all this and do all the conditioning, and all that sort of stuff. They got that already now. Now you got to just teach them the, the, the refine that and 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 teach them the ropes and like you said, teach them the psychology or whatever. Right. That's a lot easier than teaching psychology the ropes and how to get in shape. Oh, absolutely! And how to have a good body. It's, it's such a non-controversial point. Yeah, but I mean, you athleticism know. is by far the most important aspect. <laughs> whatever. I mean, come on. So. Ethan Carter the third, James Storm, yeah, yeah. strap match. As far as strap uh, matches go, it was fine. I mean, that was okay. Yeah. I the finish was a little weird, and I do we know yet if James Storm is like legitimately hurt or I heard just concussion. I think they got a little too cute with the finish. Um, you know, they tried to steal each other's finisher, finishers, and then um, they did the deal where James Storm took the shot to the ring post, but he kind of delay sold it. Right? Wasn't that the deal it's where so, it's like, yeah. Yeah, like the match continued, but then it was like the way the announcers put it over, the story they were trying to tell was he got his bell rung, but it didn't hit him until a few minutes later. Um, 
and then you know Carter won the match. It was okay. I just think the story was maybe a little too cute. Um, I'm not a big James Storm guy. I'm not a big fan of Ethan Carter's in ring, and I'm certainly not a big fan of strap matches. But this held my attention. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I thought it was gonna be horrible, and it, and it wasn't that at all. So I guess that's <laughs> that the one best thing I could say about it is yeah, not yeah. horrible. Borash and Joe Park uh, defeated Josh Matthews and Scott Steiner. Look, I think they did the right thing here. Instead of trying to have a match, which would have been horrendous, they did something goofy. They did a Broken Hardy style, uh, you know, video short film, complete with goofy music, mm-hmm. to show you that it was meant to be goofy. You had Shark Boy make an appearance when Josh Matthews was thrown into the hotel pool. Uh, you know, and of course, the 15th anniversary of TNA, Slammiversary, all those things. It was good to see Shark Boy. You had the Sinister Minister. Yeah, James Father Mitchell, James. Father James showing up. Who I think is one of the most underutilized talents in uh, Oh, God, yeah. Great, great. Wrestling. And that guy just didn't, you know, you know, he just whether it was ECW or TNA, uh, always did a great job in his role and just a guy that really should have done more in wrestling. And I think he was singing karaoke at, um, at Rob McCarron's wedding. I think it's a fact. Or running the karaoke. I'm sorry. <laughs> he runs karaoke now in Florida because uh, McCarran actually uh, – we got to ask McCarran about this. Okay, I'll have to, yeah. got married or whatever and went to Florida for his honeymoon or something. Oh, and, that uh, was – yeah, he took a picture of it. Yeah, I remember that now. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. A sinister Minister was running the karaoke at the hotel pool. So, um, which, I mean, I don't even know, man. Um, I can't even picture the sinister Minister James Mitchell. And he kind of still looks like the Sinister Minister. I mean, he's a weird guy. Isn't he a legit devil worshiper? Uh, that I don't know. I, I don't want to. Uh... Or a witch or something like that. He's some kind of, he's into the occult, like legit. But like I, I can imagine that. He... Yeah, it's, I don't think he just puts on the makeup every single I think he's basically ready to go whenever they need <laughs> Father James Mitchell to look like Father James Mitchell. He's into Wicca or something. Yeah, I don't I'm know sure, what I'm it sure, is, but yeah. he's, he's something like that. But a uh, very talented guy. That led to the return, of course, of Abyss. Um, who, uh, you know, and he dropped the tax and all that, and uh, Borash and Joe Park slash Abyss. I think they're the same man. Is that true, Rich? They are. I don't want to unmask Joe uh, Abyss here. <laughs> this, this is, yeah, you're really, yeah, you're really uh, <laughs> breaking news here. Yes, Joseph Park and Abyss are the same person. So, all right. Well, for the record, Rich did that, not me. <laughs> I, I so, think everybody. Uh, I think TNA makes it a bunch of people the same I think, person. Listen. We got a good relationship with Jeremy Borash. He agreed to come on with Garrett, and here you are unmasking people. This is unbelievable. I think it's very obvious. You know, after years and years of having a poor relationship oh. with TNA, we're putting over JJ every week. We're giving him some pub, and you go and unmask Abyss. Listen, I for, let the record show that that was Creech <laughs> and not Lanza who's unmasking people, okay? Oh, I've given up my unmasking days. But, yeah, this was just harmless fun. I had no issue with this. It was short enough to where it wasn't annoying, um, and it was just it it, it 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 helped wrap up the 15th anniversary stuff. And um, you know, I have nothing else to add, Rich. Yeah, it was fun. It was I mean, goofy not, fun. Yeah, not something that I absolutely love, and I wouldn't want to see it all the time in my wrestling. But yeah, it was fine. I mean, it's it's hard to really get too upset about it. And uh, yeah, it, it was what it was. And it, yeah, it it was. Much, it, I mean, if it had been an actual match, it would have been a train wreck. And they they smartly right. realized. We don't need Borash and Matthews and Steiner to be in a match and, and going at it. So great idea doing this. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. But yeah, I was glad it was only ten minutes too. They kept it kind of short too. Josh Matthews no longer undefeated as a pro wrestler. Oh man. 
Alicia and Eddie Edwards defeated Angelina Love and Davy Richards. Uh, and these uh, metal mayhem. Hey, look, uh, yeah, yeah. I look, I didn't mind this because um, I think the two dudes. Uh, look, these guys have experience in the full Metal Mayhem match. I thought the finish was cool with the flip power bomb by Eddie on Davey to finish him off. Uh, the girls were not intrusive at all, and I thought they were fine. Um, so, and they kept it short. They didn't try to do too much here. Uh, but you made some noises, so I'm assuming yeah, I didn't you didn't like, like this very much. I didn't like it as much. I, I maybe I came in with pretty high expectations because I thought there was going to be a little bit more. Because you dug the uh, feud. I thought it would be a lot, and I thought it would be a little bit – I thought one of the issues is where it was placed in the show too because we just have a match where there's a bunch of thumbtacks and a bunch of hardcore spots or whatever, and then they come to this match, and it's like, hey, here's a bunch of hardcore spots and thumbtacks. And it's like, well, we just saw that. We just saw like Jeremy Borash take a much – you know, a, a really crazy spot through you know through thumbtacks or whatever. We saw all that stuff already happen. So I, that was my only issue is it was like maybe if it was there was another buffer match in between, I would have enjoyed it more. But it was like we just got done with kind of a hardcore weapons type of match. And then we get another hardcore weapons type match. And, and I don't know. I don't know. I, whatever reason, I was just left disappointed when it was all said. And I, I really was going in with high hope. So. It was not the women's fault at all. Like, to be fair, they, they I think, played their parts up well. I just thought the Edwards Richards, I, I don't know. I, it just didn't really work for me. I, I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, the next match disappointed me. The best two out of three falls, Dutt and Loki. Another great feud. Another great build. Um, they worked just a little slower than I thought. I wanted these guys to go balls to the wall. Uh, the first fall, there was a lot of mat work, and it was fine. And Loki won the first fall. And then the second fall, uh, of course, it was uh, uh, Dutt winning the second fall. There was a uh, uh, Loki hit the Warriors way, and then uh, 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 Dutt sort of rolled through. And uh, and scored the fall there, and then they got into the third fall, and uh, what was it? I think it was a uh, single leg crab uh, uh, by Dutt, but then uh, uh, Loki rolled through and hit another Warrior's way, but then he got cradled up, and uh, and uh, I, I think that was the finish. Oh no, no, no! And then Dutt then came off the ropes with like a reverse flip Warrior's way on Loki. That's what the finish. Was. Right? The finish yeah, was yeah, excellent. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Uh, yeah, the finish was pretty dynamic, and it was a good way. It was Dutt kind of beating Loki with a with a vision of, with a version of his own move. Uh, it was a good match, but man, I think a victim of my expectations because I I was really excited about it when we previewed it a couple weeks ago, and it didn't really meet my expectations. And maybe that was unfair because I think this was a good match, but not a great match. And I didn't read spoilers, but it appears Sanjay Dutt is moving on to uh, uh, a feud with. Um, Oh, who was it last week on Impact? But it looks like Loki is now out of the picture again. I don't mm-hmm. know if Loki comes back later on in the tapings. But oh, Trevor Lee. Trevor Lee attacks Sanjay Dutt at the tapings and stole the title. So that's the next program, which I think could be a great program. I think Sanjay no, Dutt. Yeah, it's about time they do something with Trevor Lee, too. So yeah. So uh, I think that could be a lot of fun. I don't know if Loki comes back. I don't read I didn't read the spoilers because I plan on watching Impact every week. Uh, at least while it stays interesting to me during this brief period where I do think it's interesting. And I want to get your thoughts on impact quickly when we're done with this, but were you as disappointed by as much as me? And I, I hate the word use the word disappointed because I did like it. Yeah. I liked I just it a lot. I, I really liked it a lot. I thought the only thing that I disliked about it is that it was two out of three falls. I thought it would have been so much better if it was just a straight up match. And I know the idea that you want a two out of three falls match and that could be a brutal or whatever. Cause the whole build up to the feud was brutal. It was, it was all this brutality that these two dudes were doing. They're busting each other open. And it, it felt like a real feud that just could have been, I think a little bit better blown off in just a normal match where there wasn't, guys chasing falls and, and and trying to tie up falls you know that's what it distracts from the idea that it was just like hey i just want to beat you um and, and get revenge for 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 what you did to me or whatever you know that that's all it needed to be to me and and, and show i was the better person 
you know, sometimes it, I think you get a little too cute with the two out of three falls and, and worry a little bit too much about trying to get the quick, you know, first fall quick and all that. You know, th- there's stuff like that that played into it. I don't think this match needed it. I think it would have been so much better as a straight up match because I still really liked it, but I was left a little underwhelmed, like you're saying. And, and that's you know, especially since it was like a blood feud. That's what I mean. Don't need the two out of three falls. I want whoever won, won. Whoever got the right pinfall whoever got the one pinfall the one submission the one whatever that's the man that guy proved himself and and have it be 18 minutes or whatever because that's what the match went but it, it, it yeah, felt like yeah. you're chasing pinfalls to get to the 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 one one tie or whatever and then the match and and they don't need that for for these two dudes they don't need that in a blood feud like this just go at it i feel like a, i feel like a, a grudge match like this and a grudge feud and a blood feud maybe dutch should have just won both falls especially if you were going to write low-key off sure yeah but I, I do think the third fall was definitive enough to where Dutt came away looking No, strong. no, no, absolutely. You know, and I, I really like the match in general. I mean, I think it's probably my second favorite match of the entire night or whatever, but we're coming here underwhelmed because I think you and I both expected this to be like uh, an absolute no doubt when this night was over. It was like, yeah, the match of the night was definitely Dutt Loki because we love the feud as much as we did. So yeah. I wanted this to be one of I wanted this to be one of Impact Wrestling's best matches of the year and something. Right. That- I wanted we always talk about how how f- so few impact matches make it on, on our match of the year list. And I, I wanted this one, like I said, when the end of the year was, I wanted this one to get like 10 votes. Right. But it's not going to win. It's not going to be in the top 10, but I wanted it to be definitely like the top 30, top 50. You know, you know, it's in the mix. It's there. A lot of people voted for it, not just Garrett and a few other guys or whatever. And, and we didn't get that. I don't think it's going to appear later. So still a good feud and still a good wrap up to the feud. Just slightly underwhelming as the, uh, as the blow off, I think. Yeah. Um, so we are, uh, let's see, unifying more titles here. Sienna defeats Rosemary to unify the two titles, the two ladies' titles. Sienna is now the uh, unified champion. I guess she's the. I guess they're calling them all Global Force titles, right? Is that what the, the Global Force knockout title? Is that what they're calling it? I, I'm not sure what they're calling <laughs> Joe, it. your guess is as good as mine. Uh, but Sienna's a champion. Um, she used the mist. Uh, I guess she, uh, Rosemary, you know, it, it kind of reversed the the idea there and then tapped her out. Um, little underwhelming here too. I had high yeah, hopes for this. Yeah, this this was this didn't do much for me. I talked. I up went Rosemary. in with low expectations, and that nah, didn't it didn't work. I talked up Rosemary to you, and then this wasn't exactly Rosemary's best work. Um, so I don't know. Uh, well, I don't think I. I'll be honest. I don't think Sienna's very good. I mean, I know a lot of people think I. I think she's pretty. Terrible. I think she's okay. Um, mm, yeah. I think she's I've seen her live many times, and and it always leaves me kind of the same. So okay, that's fair. Uh, you've probably seen more of her than I have. She's we talk about athleticism. She's somebody who does not have much of it and it shows. Yeah. She was, uh, remember she was on those evolve shows in China. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And yeah. Oh, yeah. the fans were dazzled by her, uh, <laughs> athleticism rich. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so those fans are- of course, you know, they- <laughs> remember when rich Swan did a tope and that they were like ripping chairs up and like just going absolutely nuts. Like hey, man. one of my favorite shows ever. We got to do a podcast. I love those shows. We got to get a hold of them and watch them again. I know they were just the, they were just, I loved it. It was like taking like modern pro wrestling and putting it in like 1920. It was like, these people yeah. are just like, what in the fuck? Like, Nothing like will ever tell faces. Oh, how about Judy Christofferson hitting the ref and the fans just going mental? <laughs> right. Because to them, it's like like in basketball, if someone attacked the ref. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? you know, in a timeout, well, you know, somebody in the Chinese basketball, he just turns around Kicks and the ref the, the balls. Yeah, right. You know, like that's the equivalent. You know, so that, that that was like the hottest spot of the match, you know, when Jody Christofferson, you know, attacked the referee. Like they couldn't believe it. You know, it was like, geez. So, yeah, those were amazing shows, and she was on those. But, uh, yeah, this didn't do a ton for me. I don't kind of like the bullshit finish. 
But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Um, Alberto El Patron, we'll be talking about this fella a little oh, bit. Oh, yes. Uh, with Dos Caras at ringside defeats Lashley with King Which Mo. Dos Caras? The Dos Caras in the crowd or the Dos Caras actually at the ringside? The actual two. Dos Caras, not the uh, okay. much smaller <laughs> framed Dos Caras at ringside. Um, this didn't do a ton for me. It was a match. It was okay. Um, I liked their match on Impact uh, a couple days later much better, even though it had a bullshit you know, run-in finish and no finish, really. Um, I thought the action was better on Impact than in this match. And Alberto El Patron uh, unified the titles. So uh, a lot of Global Force champions defeated a lot of uh, Impact champions. I don't think there's anything to read into with that. It's all the same company at this point. But uh, but there you go. I thought this was a three-star match, Rich. What did you think about this? That, that was it. Um, really disappointed that it just never reached the level that I really wanted it to. It just kind of – it was there, it was there, it was there, and you're like, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and then it was over. And it was just like, nah, man. Like, And that's that's what we feared, that we feared that it would just not get into that second gear, and it just – it never did. And that, and that was a shame. It just it, – it, it was 18 minutes, um, looking at the time now, and it felt like 30 and nothing. It was just – even if it felt like 18, it was just like, when it was done, it was done. And it was just like, well, there was never any ebb. There was never any flow. There was never any rise. There was never any fall. It was just like, these guys went out and they wrestled for a little while. Like there was parts of it that I was like, all right, we're going, we're going, we're going. And then it, I don't know, the ending just fell flat. It just, in general, flat was the feeling when it was all said and done. And after a show that had been so exciting and so much fun, even matches that we're saying that we didn't love, like they still felt like they had purpose and meaning or whatever. This just ultimately felt like just two guys having a match and and when it was all said and done it was just like all right cool <laughs> like i never remember it again never think of it again didn't really have any ramifications for the long term it, it felt like so uh that kind of hurt it a little bit and yeah it's just a, not a great effort from either guy as well so alberto el patron has the uh incident with uh airport incident with page um no it's very unclear what happened news breaks we're recording this on the day that all the news is breaking on this so it changes constantly. So we're going to try to stay away from, you know, talking about details of, of what happened. Cause it's constantly changing. Um, Paige is claiming that she threw a drink in his face and she's denying that uh, she was abused. Uh, there was any physical uh, altercation between the two, aside from the drink being thrown in the face. She says that he did not hit her or touch her or anything like that. She claims the eyewitness is just someone seeking attention. Um, there was a uh, investigation for domestic battery that's going on and what global force has uh, decided to do. And they did have a presser today. Uh, Ross Foreman uh, released a statement that uh, Alberto El Patron, who is their champion will be suspended effective immediately and indefinitely until the investigation is resolved. Um, look, I think that's the fairest thing they can do. There's obviously a messy story. Um, there's a lot of speculative stuff out there that we're not gonna we're not gonna play that game here. Uh, we have no idea what goes on between these two nut jobs. Um, all I know is from the global force perspective, what the hell else are they supposed to do? Okay, this has to be investigated. We have to see what the police say. We have to see if there's an arrest. We have to see if there's charges. Uh, right now, there's just an investigation, and global force has to kind of wait it out. I mean, it's you know there was obviously an altercation. They admit as such. Uh, Page is just claiming it's a drink thrown in his face in an argument. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff out there. Um, that they're, they're, you know, uh, Page's brothers claim that El Patron does physically abuse her. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it's look, 
Global Force kind of put themselves in this position by hiring this guy. Uh, look, we've talked on this show. Look, when he got fired from WWE the last time or when he quit, I, I can't remember whether he was fired or he quit, when he beat up the uh, the guy in catering uh, for telling the racist joke. Um, look, I have been told privately for years by people that this guy's a hothead. And I talked about it at the time. And we got in a little bit of trouble with people uh, for saying that. But uh, this is a guy with a short temper and a short fuse. Would it surprise me if he abuses Paige? No. Do I know that he abuses Paige? Can I definitively say that he's uh, abusive towards Paige? No. Um, you know, I, so, you know, I don't want to get into that sort of speculative stuff. Uh, but all I know is, is from Global Force's perspective, you know, they suspended him. They suspended him indefinitely. It's not – now, look, they're not running any shows for the next three weeks or whatever it is, but that's not their fault. You know, I, what else are they supposed to do? Um, you know, they suspended them. They're waiting for this to play out. They may fire them when it's all said and done, especially when more details come out. It's really hard to kill Global Force here. I don't think it's fair to say that they should scrub him from the TV that's already in the can and remove him from the company because, you know, in the eyes of the law, he hasn't really officially been charged or convicted of anything yet. I mean, what... It's it's a tricky spot for the company to be in right now. Absolutely, um, they really I, I, they're they're stuck between a rock and a hard place here. Now, to be fair, they put themselves in this hard place, and that's where they're stuck. Because he's a risk. Because he's a fucking idiot, and he's a risk from the beginning. And you should have known that before you put the title on him, before you center your company around him. That's absolutely their fault. I'm not going to give them a pass. And on why that. aren't they testing their wrestlers for drugs? Mm, very good point. Because if they were testing their wrestlers for drugs, Del Rio might pop maybe off this a few gets times. nipped in the bud. Yes, You're right. Yeah. We, uh, uh, we, but, we, but, yeah, that, I'm not going to get into that, but you know, here's the thing. I would fire this guy. Um, at the, at, at the, at the end of the day here, I would handle it just like they're handling it now. I'd suspend them and I would let this play out. Okay. Mm-hmm. But because this is all, all this is new and you know, this is fresh. You don't want to overreact on day one, but I would fire this guy simply from the perspective and I would write him out and fire him. Even if that means he doesn't drop the title in the ring. I would write him out, find a way to get the belt off him. It's pro wrestling. You could strip the guy at a belt. You can find a million different reasons. And I would fire the guy because I just think he's too much of a headache and he's too much of a, a risk. And you're going to have egg on your face at some point if it does come out that this guy is slapping this girl around. And yeah. he is a piece of shit and he's beating her. Uh, so I think the guy's too much of a headache. He's too much of a risk. And I, I personally don't think he's a good person. I would fire him. Yeah, I would, I would too. What I would do is let the suspension run out, and then what, whatever happens at the case, whether he's, you know, all charges are dropped or whatever, just say we're 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 parting ways with uh, Alberto El Patron. You know, that's it. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Part ways with the guy, let him go, and move on without him because he's it, even it, if he's it's, innocent it's, by the court of law, it's not worth in it. This the instance, reward right. is terrible. The but, but here's the thing: if some if it all comes out of this, and more witnesses step forward, and it turns out he he did rougher up in that airport. Honestly, if they don't fire him, then. I think you can can condemn Global Force oh, all day. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. All day. We'll, we'll, we'll be just, the first ones to do it. But and there's just not enough facts here right now. I mean, if she really just threw a drink in his face and they argued, is that really cause to fire somebody? No. But I do think you can fire him because he's just too much of a headache, and you're just being pre, uh, proactive about it and saying, "Look, this guy's just you know." I I would fire him. Um, that's that's me. Yeah. Uh, they may not do that if nothing comes of this. I don't know. Um, but to me, he wouldn't work my next set of tapings, and uh, that would buy me even more time to figure out what I'm going to do about him. And then at that point, if he doesn't work your tapings, you you can do a million different pro wrestling magic things to get your right. stupid title situations. I don't, it, it, one way or another, regardless of if it, I, I don't want anything to do with this guy. 
Similar to, you know, right. we talked about WWE has done this a lot of times forever. They did it with Kurt Angle, where it was just like, you know what, yeah. look, he might be clean. I just don't want, we don't want to deal with it. You know, they finally said, and this, if I'm Global Force, I'm Jared or whatever, I, that's eventually what I'm just going to do because this is not going to be the end of this thing. When it's all said and done with no. this, charges get dropped. It's not like he's going to come back and be squeaky clean. The guy's not squeaky clean anyway, whether it's with Paige, whether it's just in his life in general, the guy's a piece of shit. In, in a lot of cases, he's a hothead. Something else is going to happen with this guy. So you put yourself in a bad situation by putting by putting the title on him and making him a big deal in your company. Well, you can rectify that now by by suspending him. He'll ne- if I'm him, he never works in my company ever again. I don't think so either. I you think- let these what let whatever these six weeks play out, and then you say we stripped him and we let him go. The end. Like you don't have to play. It doesn't have to be this big deal. I mean, like that's the thing. Wrestling fans are idiots. You can just go out there and say, look, we we part away with the guy. That's the end. Like that's it. Like you don't have to come up with some convoluted story and have him get run over by a car. You just no. We part ways with the guy. The end. Okay. Yeah. Our title's vacant. Here's the tournament. Cool. We're done. Okay. There. Like, and look, they may they may do that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know. But today, as all this news is breaking and the and the story is constantly changing and shifting, I have no problem with them just suspending him indefinitely and and allowing it to play out. I mean, that's what they have to do to protect themselves. That's what they have to do. Uh, that's, that's their, you know, to me, it's just the the moral obligation here is just to, you know, let it play out, suspend them. I I don't think they've handled this poorly at all. I think, uh, this idea that they have to go scrub all their television and all that's overreacting. I I don't believe that. Um, he didn't murder anybody. Uh, we, you know, we, we, he didn't, um, you know, you know, that, that would be a different scenario if, 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 you know, he, he killed someone or, you know, if this was a Benoit style situation, we don't know what happened here. Uh, you know, maybe she did just throw a drink. I have no idea. I, I suspect she's covering for him. I really do. Oh, I have for a long time as well. Yeah. And don't make, I I mean, my earlier thing was I, 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 if I, if you had to, if I had to do a bet, (laughs) if Joe, if you said, Hey, for a thousand dollars, do you think that he, I would say yes. Oh, has he ever like he hit her or abused yeah. her? Yeah, I would oh, say God. Yes. I, you know, the guy's a fucking hothead, and and it, it stands to reason. I, I I don't know, but again, I don't know for a fact. And and global forces maybe necessarily know for a fact. So we're all like a lot of people are just jumping to crazy conclusions here, and we're not defending the guy at all. And I think that's the point here is is and that's what's kind of unfortunate. The battle lines have kind of been drawn. Yeah, if you think that he should stay on the like that global force shouldn't just scrape him from for everything and scrub everything and burn all the tapings or whatever then you think it's all right that del rio beats pay and it's like no no one's saying that no 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 we, we're no, not saying that we're i'm not defending to... del rio at all i'm defending no. Force here and 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 they're, they're in a, tough in a spot. horrible situation a horrible situation and they put themselves in this horrible situation and that's their fault and hopefully they learn from it but they're in a weird spot now where i what do you do you got six weeks of tv in the can you can't really afford to go nuts and and scrape i mean especially when you're in a main event and you're like the guy and, and a big, he's probably all over that TV. Like you got to just burn those tapes then. You got to make them like Gold Force Amps and they just never exist. And they don't have the, they don't have the means to do that because they got to show, you know, they got TV to run in next week. So they're, they're, it's just not feasible to do Look, that. Look, if, so. if he, if, 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 if he definitively beat her up, I might have a different stance here. Well, then, then you got plan B. Then you go, okay, we do scrape this guy and we yeah. figure out whatever. Yeah. But we don't know what happened here. Uh, I, I just don't trust the guy at all. I think he's a jerk. And I think he's more trouble than he's worth. I think you wait it out, you let it play out, and uh, you know I would I would wash my hands of him at, 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 at you know at the end of the day. Because what's the reward? Like when we really look down at it from from the, this aspect of Jared and Global Force, what what's the reward of a guy like a Del Rio these days? Is he really moving the needle enough? Is he worth the risk? I say right. no. I don't for know something heinous it. to happen down the line. Exactly, because this man, this isn't going to be the end for him. I, I don't know what the hell this guy's up to, but. 
I wash my hands. What are the worst case? What are the worst case scenarios here? What if he beats her to death? What if they go on a coke filled binge and get in a car accident and die? What if, uh, you know, just there's a lot of worse cases trouble. here. This guy's trouble and you don't have to He's do it. Trouble. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. He's trouble. Um, so, uh, and we, and, and, you know, I kind of tongue in cheek defend them sometimes, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's kind of gotten, it's kind of turned serious here. And it's like, everyone has kind of suspected that this would end very poorly in some way between these two. And it's getting a little scary. You know, it's getting a little scary with these two. And, um, you know, you just hope that, um, you know, you really hope that she's not covering for this man. Right. And that some of this stuff is overblown. But there's a lot of smoke, there's, Rich. The smoke is is, is, is And when there's a lot see. of smoke, there's usually some yeah, fire somewhere. It's, hard, it's, hard, it's getting hard to see through that smoke. It's getting pretty dense. So The mysterious fight in San Antonio outside the, the restaurant and now, you know, this thing in the airport where the eyewitness is contradicting what Paige is saying and um, Paige is changing know, her the, story as we're going on. Like that's doesn't, doesn't yeah. have a coherent story. And, and that's, that's an issue. And some of his wild rants on social media that, you know, it's just, there's a lot of smoke here with these two. And if I'm global force, that's the stuff that look, you want to take your time and make smart decisions and make smart statements. And I think by suspending him, indefinitely that buys you the time to do that and i think if i'm running global force if i'm anthem i take a long hard look at all of this smoke and i say to myself you know what we probably need to just cut ties with this guy at the end of this thing and uh look you can fire him and let your tv play out the way it's going to play out and look reality doesn't always have to jive with your silly television wrestling right right i mean you can fire the guy even if he's got a week or two of TV time remaining and then address it at that point and just quietly strip him of the title and, and do whatever you're going to, you don't even have to make a wrestling angle out of it. Right. Can't no, you just fire saying. the guy? And that's what I was saying. You can come on the air and have Jeff Jarrett say, we be part of ways with Alberto Patron due to, you know, recent issues in his life. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. yeah walk away. Here's the tournament. We stripped him of the title. Now we start a tournament. There now we, we do goofy wrestling again. Right. But as far as today, what, what what's today's date as we're recording this? With uh, all the news? This is the 12th, July 12th. As far as July 12th, when all this news is breaking and everything, I don't blame Global Force one bit. A lot of people are burying them for saying, ah, oh, this is just a... Well, this Joe, we were talking as we were getting ready for the show that the story had changed since when we got ready for the show earlier in the day. Right. And then like I'm like, hey, what's the update? And, and Paige has a different story about what's going on. Like They're, they're going through the same thing we are. It's like, all right, well, the story yeah. is not what it was at 8 a.m. And it's not the same as it was at noon. So the story's constantly changing, new details, new things going on like they can't i mean at their standpoint from a company you just can't go all right well fuck it like you can't you can't operate a company like that you gotta let it play decisions you know and and there's legal things too what if you fire this guy and and he sues you because he's like why are you firing me yeah there could be wrongful termination yeah it could be wrongful termination for sure you know what did i do i got a drink thrown on me in an airport and you're firing me so you know you got to think about those sorts of things too so I think they're doing the smart thing by just, you know, now Jarrett's statement wasn't very smart at the presser when he said, oh, we got to well, protect our brand. Yeah, you maybe don't use the word a, brand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to find a better way to word that because that was his response to, can you just take them off TV? And it's like, no, it would damage the brand is what he said. And it's like, that's just bad PR right there. I mean, you know, you know, Ross Foreman said, we're not going to comment on this. And then Jeff Jarrett decided he was just going to comment on it all day long, which was probably a mistake. 
because he put his foot in his mouth when he said something stupid like that. That's that's why you don't comment. This is why you suspend someone indefinitely. You say you have no further comment, and then you literally then you don't have further comment. Right. You say we're waiting. We're waiting for the investigation to play out before we. And honestly, I have no problem with that. No. As fresh as the story was. Yeah. And they had this presser planned way before. This just happened to fall on their lap today. I would have had no problem with that because I do think these things take time. You got to let them digest and you got to make proper decisions from there. All I'm saying is at the end of the day, this guy wouldn't fucking work for me anymore. He's too much of a headache and he's too much of a risk. And I, I just, there's, there's just a smell around this guy. I don't trust this guy. Yeah. I don't like, like him. I said, yeah, I it's not this, it's, if it's not this, it's going to be something at some point with this guy. And that's, yeah, that's dangerous if I'm running a company. So <laughs> Want nothing to do with it. All right. Uh, we got a few minutes here, so uh, I think we're going to skip our G1 uh, preview because it was basically just us talking about the shows coming up. This we don't week. need to do that. We're going to uh, talk starting, plenty of G1. Yeah, they're starting the 17th. How, uh, how much time know. we got? Uh, we got about 10 minutes or so, so I'm going to get to All the- right. I want to do this PWG stuff. Yeah, I do want to let people know, though, uh, as far as G1, if you have not signed up yet for the uh, Voice Wrestling G1 Pick'em, definitely do that. Go to voicewrestling.com or wrestle, uh, voiceswrestling.com slash forums. Free contest. Join in. Pick all the matches. If you win, you win some uh, good prizes from Gaijin Collectibles and uh, Jeff Martin, so you get some good little freebies there. Free to enter. A lot of fun. We kind of had fun with it all during the G1 as well, so... Uh, make sure if you have not signed up yet, the last day you can do that is July 17th before this show gets going uh, on the 17th. So, yeah, you want to go to voicewrestling.com or voicewrestling.com slash forums to get your uh, name in there because we got plenty going on. Uh, looks like it might be the biggest one we've ever done. So it's pretty cool. Always see uh, new people jumping in and always first timers too. a lot of new first timers. Uh, so that's always uh, great to see. So definitely do that if you haven't already. Last day, again, is July 17th. Okay. Oh, sounds like Lexi wants to participate. <laughs> well, I have her in. She'd probably win. I mean, honestly. <laughs> hey, hey, Lexi, who you like in a G one this year? She likes uh, Shibata. Shibata. I think oh. she's a loser. Mm. She's a loser. It's a break to her. But you will you will be pleased to know that Kotobushi is getting way overscored as usual. So, like multiple people, oh, yeah. multiple people picking him either to a- win the block or be the runner up in his block. Like, all right, he's well on his way to eight points. <laughs> so. I'm like, guys, I told you, I told you, I told you on the show, don't do it, don't do it. And everybody did it anyway. He's always he's getting like 14 points. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Like, Rich, the, old, uh, the old battle of Los Angeles, Rich. Yeah, let's talk tournament about tournament that's coming up in addition to the G1, September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. I've hand waved this the past three years or so. I know that you keep you've watched it though, right? You've have, kept yeah. your eye on the ball. Tournament. Yeah, it's always fun. It's a good little fuck around. Again, it's it's PWG, so it's a weekend of guys just kind of whacking themselves off. And and yeah, I enjoy it. It's fine. I think this was gonna be different because I think this is the freshest bowl lineup we've seen in years. And I am I am gonna watch this one. I will purchase this and I will watch it for the first time in years. Um, because I think there is a chance here for some people to really break out. I love the lineup. It feels fresh. You've got a good mix of guys who've been in it before, but there's a ton of great international talent in this bola, new faces. Some of these guys are going to get over big. Some of these guys may flop, but I do think it's an interesting lineup. Rich, some of these names just jump off the page. Uh, Brian Cage does nothing for me. We've seen him in PWG for years. Don't care about Brian Cage at all. I think Brian Cage is overrated. Uh, Desmond Xavier. Keep an eye on. I mean, this is a guy who can break Mm -hmm. out, right? Keep an eye on him. Excited about Desmond Xavier. Also in the TNA X X Cup, which, uh, you know, with ACH and Taiji Ishimori, we don't have time to talk. I wanted to talk about it, but we don't have time. I'll definitely watch it next. We'll, We'll talk about it next week for sure. Yeah. Uh, Donovan Dijak, uh, you know, a guy who may be running out of time to see him on the Indies. So, uh, you know, keep an eye on Dijak here. Flamita, Rich, 
Now, here's a guy, if you follow Dragon Gate like we have over the years or whatever, but he might be new to some people in this thing. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Flamita being a phenom in wrestling. Yes. This is a great guy to have in something like Bull. Yeah, people aren't, I mean, people aren't bringing his name up enough when they're talking about, oh, all the names and all the names. Like, that guy, like, yes, in, in the wrestling bubble, he might be a guy that you know. And if you're in our little bubble, you know of him. But there are going to be a lot of people that have never seen Flamita before, and he's going to blow their fucking mind because – Remember that first moment you saw Flamita. I mean, that's a guy that, that's a jump off the page type dude. So yeah, I, I 100% agree. He's not getting his due as like one of these, oh my God, like Flamita. <laughs> like, people are just kind of, oh yeah, Flamita, whatever. Like, no, Flamita's fucking awesome. Like, that's a big deal. Flash Morgan Webster. Now, this is a guy who was hurt for a long time. Uh, he's got a great gimmick. From what I understand, uh, William Regal loves this guy. Um, he's got a good look and a great gimmick. And he returned from injury in March and he worked a match with Nathan Cruz on a progress show on 319. I thought this was one of the best shows of the year, the 319 progress show. I forget what number it was. But uh he just I was never a guy impressed with Flash Morgan Webster, but he this Nathan Cruz match on this progress show, which I had six matches at four four and a quarter stars or better on that show. Just a great show. Uh, it was the Nixon Noel, uh, Nixon Newell's final progress show. She had a great match with Ginny, a hot sprint. Uh, same show as that one. I forget what number it was, but it was March 19th. So uh, I'm, I, look, I'm looking forward to this. He's a guy I think who can go either way. He might flop badly in front of this crowd, or he might uh, impress big time. Do you have a lot of experience with him, or do you? I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. I've seen a few matches here and there, but oh my lord, are we okay? <laughs> Is everything okay on that end? <laughs> I will assume yes. Uh, I've seen a little bit of him, but uh, not not enough that I, I, I can give a really... I, I've seen a few matches here in progress, but nothing that I can really definitively say I, I have a strong thought on him. So um, I'm interested to see. He, he's going to be a little fresh to me uh, for this bola. And, and against these guys, too, it'll be a really fun uh, thing to see. So we'll see if Joe is, is back now after his dog catastrophe. Okay, yeah, are we my good? Dogs. My is dogs everybody alive? Is everybody alive and safe? That's all that matters. My dogs are going insane. I don't know why. Because we're coming up on three hours. They're like, let's go here. Let's Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb. Yeah, Jeff Cobb is their next one, yeah. Yeah, pretty uh, standard issue PWG. I believe he was in Bolo last year, wasn't he? Uh, he was, if I remember correctly, yeah. Let's get to Jonah Rock, though. I think he's more interesting to talk about. Um, I have been talking about the Australian and New Zealand uh, wrestling scene for some time on Twitter, if you've been following me. And this is a guy who some people may remember from Pro Wrestling Noah a few years ago, TMDK member, uh, along with Haste and Nichols. Um, but he's been doing some single stuff in Australia. He's got a couple matches up on our forums. And this is a guy who I think could impress people in this tournament. I think it's a big opportunity for him because if he has a big bola, this is a guy who could get booked in other places in North America. So yeah. this is one of those interesting names I'm talking about who really an outside the box pick. I didn't expect to see him in this. No, God, no. This is a completely out of nowhere one. And it's, it's smart on PWG's end. They, they kind of realize this is an area maybe that's been underdeveloped and, and a good spot to maybe get some new talent from. So uh, we've been doing a few articles as well. You've probably seen them on voiceofwrestling.com. And if not, at voiceofwrestling.com slash forums. Uh, Scorpio uh, does some great stuff. He's, he's in the region. He's a great fan from that region. Watched a lot of stuff. And and he said he's going, uh, he's working on right now a Jonah Rock piece so you can kind of get a little bit more and get up to speed on Jonah Rock before because this, you know, by September 3rd, this might be a guy a lot of people are talking about in a region a lot of people are talking about too this could be a huge moment for that entire area uh we're gonna talk about a few more guys as well this isn't he's not the only one representing the area keith lee breakout independent wrestler of the year right oh god yes keith lee is the greatest yeah so if they had to get keith lee involved in this and i mean you know he's gonna go out there and go balls out so uh again just another guy 
Um, you know, he's already broken out, but he, you know, you know, look, working PWG and working Bola. I mean, that's sort of the indie stamp of approval, right? Mm -hmm. So this is Keith Lee kind of coming all the way. And this is a guy that, you know, personally I've been talking about for years, uh, you know, from seeing him on the Texas scene. And this is, this is big time for him. So Keith Lee in Bola, and that's kind of a name that's kind of slipped under the radar uh, when these announcements came out because of all these international guys, Mark Haskins and Marty Skrull. We've seen these guys in PWG before, but they're certainly welcome back. Matt Seidel is back. Um, Matt Riddle, of course, who's one of the favorites to win. Mike Elgin, uh, Pentagon L0M, who of course is Pentagon Jr. But I want to get to guys like this, Ray Phoenix and Ray Horse. Uh, two interesting guys. Well, uh, Horus uh, more so than Finn. I think Phoenix has been. He was there last year. He right? was there the last year. Before. Yeah, he, he was. Right. I, 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 again, I, I'm pretty sure he was there last year. Yeah, if not the, the year before, but yeah, he, he's it was there. the year before. They had those wild matches. Remember uh, that Dave was throwing out five stars to or whatever, or four and three quarters. Those crazy tag matches. So he's been there before. But Ray Horus is a guy who broke out. Uh, I guess three WrestleManias ago. Remember on those. Uh, and then Evolve booked them a couple of times after that, but there was really no follow-up. So uh, that's an interesting name. Ricochet always does good things here and will do good things. Sammy Callahan. Sammy Guevara. See, I'm skipping these guys who are the known indie commodities because these are the interesting guys to me. Right, we don't have to tell guys you about like, Yeah. <laughs> you know all about Ricochet and Sammy Callahan. But Sammy Guevara, another guy out of the Texas scene, another guy who's broke out, another guy who worked the TNA, um, you know uh, – in the X Cup, what are they calling that thing? The X Division Cup or whatever? Uh, I can't the remember Super what they're calling. X, uh, Cup. Super Cup. X, X Cup. Yeah. X Cup something. Something X Cup, yeah. Sammy Guevara representing Wrestle Circus in that tournament, right? ACH representing AAW. Did you notice that on the TV where they uh, they gave AAW? No, I haven't a watched the TV out. yet. I haven't watched the TV yet. I'm actually going to. So yeah, each of the guys is representing a different promotion. So, AAW. Know, that's, that's funny. Yeah, so uh, ACH is the AAW representative, <laughs> and Sammy Guevara is the Wrestle Circus rep. But that stuff's cool, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, I right. kind of dig that. I don't mind that. But Sammy Guevara, look again. Another guy getting his indie stamp of approval, right? He's working not only PWG, but he's working Bola, a guy who's done a couple of Valve shots. He's finally working in a bunch of different places, a guy that you know I've been talking about for years down here in Texas. I'm real excited to see Sammy Guevara work in Reseda. And then, of course, we have TK Cooper and Travis Banks, South Pacific uh, Power Trip. I'm sure Dahlia Black will be there. Uh, to complete the, uh, and I'm sure they'll have a tag match at some point. Can't you see these two guys maybe losing their first round match or losing night two or whatever, and then having a tag match, a hot tag match against the Bucks or something? Oh, on night and three? everybody's calling for it. And, and PWG is the most self-aware company in the world. They that's happening. There's you know that's I, happening. I, I put a hundred percent chance. I mean, it's absolutely going to happen. Yeah, they they can just see the buzz right now, and I'm sure the Bucks are telling them too. Like that that, that match is absolutely happening. And then we got uh, Trevor Lee, Zach Sabre Jr. Don't really need to talk about those guys, but Rich, I know you want to talk about Walter. Big man. So we got- yeah, Walter's going to be crazy. I mean, A, there might be a Walter-Keith Lee match, which I don't know if my body can handle. So, or I anybody's body Walter can handle. I don't know if anybody's body can handle it. But yeah, Walter's going to be a guy again. Once it's all said and done, September 3rd, that guy is going to be a star. And once those DVDs come out and people see it, or when, you know, when the torrents come out, um, that's when Walter is going to be. If he's not, he's already a big star, that's going to be another level for him once those people see. And once Big Dave, uh, Big Davey Meltzer, if he, if, I hope he's going. I assume he is. Once he sees him and talks him up, that's going to be a guy as well. That the, the, the buzz around him is going to be tremendous once this all said and done. That's another interesting, too. I, too. I mean, I didn't think about that. 
Dave Meltzer is really going to get a close eye here on guys that he probably hasn't seen much of, like mm-hmm. Sammy Guevara and Walter. And then when he starts talking about these guys, that'll put a spotlight on them for people who, you know, let's face it. Dave is still the kind of guy where for a lot of fans, when Dave starts paying attention to something, people will start paying attention to things. So if a guy like Walter or Sammy Guevara or, you know, whoever, Travis Banks, Flash Morgan Webster, if they get over with Dave, people are going to pay attention. Desmond Xavier. But my point here is you look at this field, okay, and I'm going to throw these names out. I would say Desmond Xavier, Flamita, Flash Morgan Webster, Jonah Rock, Keith Lee, uh, Ray Horus, Sammy Guevara, T.K. Cooper, who you know I love, Travis Banks, and Walter. Rich, that's like eight or ten guys who are totally fresh and totally guys who are begging to break out. These guys are going to be hungry. They know that Bola is the place to break out. They know that PWG is the place to break out. Don't you think all these guys are going to be hungry and they're going to put in their best effort? I mean, this has a chance to be one of the best Bola of the year, and Bola is always good. Okay, It always gets great reviews. But this really, because of the hunger, it's not the same old faces. Young and hungry. Rich, I always talk about it. The, the, there's so the, the young and hungry is the greatest thing you can be. Greatest combination. But then you look at the guys like. But then they're going to be working with your ricochets and your <laughs> right, sidewalls yeah. and your yeah, scrolls, young and hungry and is going to be backed up by Matt Riddle <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah, Mike Elgin. Pentagon, yeah, <laughs> You know your grizzled veterans and Sammy Callahan. These guys who have done it and Zach Saber Jr. We blew these guys off, but the talent in this thing, Rich. Am I crazy for thinking that this is the most exciting Bola lineup in years? I mean, there's I love this lineup. You've got your indie all-stars, which is usually what Bola is. It's just indie all-stars. But this year, you've got your indie all-stars. You've got your guys from uh, the UK scene. And you've got three guys from the Australia-New Zealand scene. You've got Lucha guys. You've got such a great combination here and a great mix of new faces looking to make a mark. Uh, old, the old guard, the old indie all stars who are you know tremendous. I mean, there's no, I don't see any weak points in this tournament. I really don't. I think the weakest point in this tournament, I, for me anyway, is Brian Cage because I really don't have a ton of interest in Brian Cage. I have a, I have interest, and you know, Sammy Callahan. Look, I'm not the biggest Sammy Callahan fan. No one can deny that he works his ass off though. That guy works hard. At minimum. I mean, maybe not when he's brawling at the bar at AAW. I know you might have smoked. Uh, I've turned the corner on him. In the last year, he's gotten a lot better, I think. Yeah, the the, the, the you know, corner brawls thing has, has kind of slowed down. He's He's been working his ass off. So no, But I'm, I'm just I'm, so excited to see these, like, eight to ten guys who I think are – and look, they're not all going to impress. But that's the beauty of it, right? To see who stands out in this tournament. Maybe Flash Morgan Webster lays an egg. Maybe, maybe Jonah Rock pulls a Kurt Hawkins, Right? But I guarantee you that that five or six of these guys blow the fucking doors off and become major stars. That's why this is the most exciting bolo lineup in years because it's not just in the all stars. It's not it's safe. Guys- They've gotten safe in a few years, and it's it's, it's good yes. they're getting a little bit away from that. People are going to be working hard, and I, I really I, I don't you really shouldn't sleep on this lineup. Do not sleep on this lineup. Yeah. Don't do it. All right, Rich. You have to edit this fucking thing. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So, <laughs> anyway, something that we mentioned that we're going to talk about earlier in the show, we probably might not talk about earlier in the show because I might have to cut it out for time. But, hey, whatever. Anyway, uh, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Grace. We'll see you next time on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast. Take care. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.